Saturday. Mike Murphy, uh-huh. Fred Huber, Murph and Fred back together again on ESPN 1000. I hope you're having a great Saturday and hope the next three hours makes your Saturday even better. How you doing, Fred? I'm, I'm doing good. Yeah. White Sox win. The Cubs yeah. score a run. That's all they need for two days in a row. Ah, uh, now be nice. That's all they needed two <laughs> days in a row. One run. <laughs> you only got to win by, by That's one. That's all you got to do. Just score one more than the other guy. They got the one run. That's all they needed. <laughs> it's funny mention that, though. And this is, you know, any team. Second any... time this year that a team has won back-to-back one nothing games with home runs. And the other time, the Giants, Joe Panic hit home runs. In back-to-back games, it was the only runs the Giants scored against the Dodgers. So all the time, and it doesn't matter which team, which sport. So, you know, like let's say the Cubs win a game 13-12. to 12. You go, Oh, man, they gave up 12 runs. Okay, then you win one to nothing. No, you didn't score enough runs. No one's happy. Yeah, Joe said earlier this week, he said, "I just it's just mm-hmm. a win or a loss. It doesn't matter how many you win by, how many you lose by. Uh-huh. That's why I've never been a big fan of the whole... Um, a differential, the run differential thing. thing. Yeah. I think it's I a silly number. I'm but with you. It's everybody ridiculous. talks about it all the time. Means so, nothing. Means right, nothing. The last two games, the Cubs run differentials two. Right. You win. Six, they won them both. You win six games in a row, one to nothing, which of course is not going to happen. And then you, uh, you know, lose a game uh, a seven to nothing, and you are outscored seven to six, but you won six yeah. out of seven games. That's yeah. what you're saying, right? Well, there was a time uh, since the All Star break uh-huh. where the Cubs were over 500, but were outscored by almost 10 runs. Yeah, it means nothing. Yeah, it doesn't matter how no. many runs you're outscored by, as long as you get victories. And that's what uh, what's happening. Something that would surprise a lot of baseball fans. You look at the standings today. Uh-huh. There's a team in the American League that has a better record than the Cubs, and you would not think the Oakland A's Oakland have a better A's. record than and the Chicago Cubs. They are, hey, they're on fire, and the St. Louis Cardinals are on fire. They sure are. They've won another game. They won uh, nine of their last ten. I think it is. You know, it might even be. Well, I know it might it, be ten of eleven. Well, yeah. Here's the, when you look at the standings, be it online or in the paper, they, they do the thing last ten, right, and nine and one so you assume well they've won nine out of their last ten but i believe and it's funny you mentioned that fred i believe it's been nine and one the last three days in other words the last ten the last ten uh-huh. the last ten going back so i believe they've probably won like 11 out of 12 yeah because every day it's nine they've been they've been really the good last 10 with with young pitchers that they've been yeah. bringing up from the minor leagues and pitching well and this good flaherty's pitch well yeah, they're missing three well of their yesterday rotation guys yeah and uh, so this morning, Cubs four and a half games in front of the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, who lost to the aforementioned Cardinals, who are now a half game only behind Milwaukee, five games back. So they're a half game behind Milwaukee in third place. Cubs win one to nothing. Second uh, game in a row, they win one to nothing. A lot of interesting historical numbers we'll get to a little yep. bit later on that because it is a rarity, though you did mention uh, the Oh, the Giants did it recently, did you say? Well, the Giants did, scored back-to-back one nothing games yeah, okay, with yeah. home runs. Joe Panic yeah. homered uh, earlier this year. Joe Panic homered right. uh, in two straight games, okay. and they got two one nothing wins over the Dodgers. And uh, the Cubs turned the amazing uh, franchise uh, record of seven double plays. I don't know why when they had a runner at second base in the ninth inning, they didn't intentionally walk the guy to put him on first base. Just to set up a double Just play. Just to set up another double play. I know you don't <laughs> want to walk, you don't want to put the game winning run on base. Right. He got there anyway, but uh, you know, the, the double play was and David Bodie almost short armed it. 
He, uh, yeah, he, he goosed he, it. He did. He almost short armed it. That's the old phrase. He goosed it. Yeah, uh-huh. it, was, it was. It was such a perfect <laughs> ball. Now and he, you looked at it. He like almost, almost. Now he claimed after the game he didn't know that there was a double play uh, record coming. That they had a roll. Oh, going. they probably a lot of them probably don't know. No, that. they don't know. That. Yeah. In, in fact, though, the seven double plays. Uh, can we use the word turned? Turned to me usually means there's a pivot at second, but one was a line drive out back at first, which was disputable, but there wasn't evidently a good camera angle in New yeah. York, uh, so it was not definitively able to be overturned. Yeah, this whole this whole thing's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. We'll get to that because yeah. we got a lot of umpire stuff between now and noon. By the way, Jesse Rogers at 10 o'clock. Bears talk. Sweet, Lou Canales. Say he'll give us a call from Denver sometime uh, maybe around 10.30 and he'll preview tonight's uh, Bears uh, Denver uh, Bronco game. Lou Canales, of course, over at Fox doing the game tonight. Fred, seven double plays has only has only occurred three times in the history of baseball, yeah. at least as far back as they have been able to go, say, 1900. In a nine-inning game. Correct. Right. Thank you. Yeah. The uh, last time it happened was the 1969 Astros. Uh-huh. And the only other time before that, oh, yeah, the 42 Yankees. There All you right? go. The Cubs had six ground ball Double plays, giddy up, G-I-D-P, grounded into double plays. Six giddy ups and the uh, line drive uh, out. Five of the double plays were induced. I like that word. Uh, induced by Cole Hamels. Uh-huh. Now, the story that in the home run well, by... What was it? It was the first three innings and then the fifth, uh, let's fifth see. and sixth, I think. First, it second, third, sixth. Okay. First, second, third, sixth. So seventh, four of them. And ninth. And ninth. Right. right. So... Uh, Hamels was in there for one, two, three, four, uh, five of them. The eighth inning and the uh, ninth. But, yeah, seven all told. You're exactly right. And uh, Nice to see a pitcher go seven innings, less than 100 pitches. Well, that's the story. Yeah. That's Schwarber with the homer, uh-huh. which was an interesting uh, move, as you recall. There was a double play right before that. Yes. Yeah. Schwarbs didn't play game one uh-huh. because of the big left field. Usually left field is the spot where you sort of hide your guy, you know, and your outfielder and uh, put him where, you know, you don't have the long throws, but he's got the arms. So yeah. he's perfect for left in many ways. But Pittsburgh's got the big ass left field. Left center's huge. Left center's over Those 400, there, yeah. 410 or whatever to that, that little nook and cranny out there. So I thought that they would keep, uh, Joe would you know, keep uh, Schwarber on the bench again with the big left field. He says, no, I'm going to put Schwarber's in. But it's a double-edged sword, that ballpark, because it's the short porch yeah. to right. And it's Schwarber's, 320 to the base of the wall. Yeah, and the famous 21 feet high for yep. uh, the uniform number of Roberto. Uh-huh. So Schwarber's homer was about maybe a row or two back. over. The, it was a pop-up to, it, you know. It, it was measured at 346, which nah, would have no meant they would have caught it in the corner at Wrigley Field. Well, yeah. I don't even think it was that. I don't either. But say it was. But it was, uh, you know, and for all you golfers out there, it was like a nine iron just over the 21-foot high wall. But, hey, they you know count. what? The wall's, there for, count. the wall's there for both teams. Yep. So, Joe, I don't know. He, it, all I can say is it worked out. He says, yeah, I'm going to put Schwarber out in left where it's a huge one, but maybe he'll pop one over the wall. So back-to-back, one-to-nothing uh, wins for the Cubs. But the buried story... The old newspaper guys used to say, buried the lead, is uh, Cole Hamels. It's unbelievable. That was his fourth start for the Cubs. He's 3-0. and In his four starts with the Cubs, 
Did you see this in the uh, news of the, his ERA? You want to take a guess, Fred, or did you see it? I got it. Okay, 0. 0.75. I got 0. 0.72 even. Uh, okay, This is right. from Peter Gammons. He said that yeah. 25 innings pitched, 16 hits, 3 runs earned, 6 walks, and 23 strikeouts. Wow, lay that on me again. Yeah, 25 innings pitched, right. 16 hits, 3 wa- three runs earned, 6 walks, and a 23 strikeouts. So give me the hits and the walks. That would be the whip. The uh, He had uh, hits, you said? Were 16 f- and then 6. So uh, 22. Yeah, and he's man under. on base. And how many innings? 25. Yeah, so his whip is under 1.00, yeah. which is Hall of Fame right there, you know. Well, you know For what? a career. And it was a chance. They took a chance on a guy that was yeah. struggling down in Texas. It's amazing. He's pitched great. And the question, I had a question, and I know you've already put together the, yeah. uh, the, the, the fan polls, but my question was, if the playoffs started, I don't think this is one of them. If the playoffs started, would Cole Hamels be your one, your two, your three, or your four? Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. In fact, let's go to the Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll. You can vote at ESPN 1000, or you can vote on the radio, 332-3776. Jesse talks Cubs in less than an hour. Well, he talks Cubs in his sleep. Oh, well, he does. So it just happened, you know. He does. Yeah. He makes more sense in his sleep, doesn't uh-huh. Not that I would know. Uh, Twitter poll number one. Do the Cubs make the postseason without you, Darvish? Very simple, yes or no. Do the Cubs make the postseason without you, Darvish? He's going to have his first start rehab start Sunday, they are saying, right? Sunday in uh, South, South Bend. Bend. And then five days, and then five days. So Uh three in the next 15. He'll have three starts, and uh, if he's able to. If he says he can go. Right now, everything's fine and dandy. Uh, Next Twitter poll question. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. The Cubs won back-to-back games Thursday and Friday by the score of one to nothing. Vote now, A or B. A. They were both exciting games. B, they were both boring as heck. All right? Got an ulterior motive for this. Okay. Just want to see what everybody says. Uh, our next Twitter poll off of this hour, Joe Madden. I heard a lot of talk about this this week. Joe Madden has one year remaining on his five-year deal after this year. Okay? He's at $6 million a year. It was originally $5 million a year. He had a little uh, clause in the contract. Sanity clause? Oh, you can't fool me. No such a thing as a sanity clause. He had a clause that said anytime they win the World Series, one more million dollars is tacked on each year for the five years remaining. You okay. Know. So he gets six million a year. How about if they get there and lose? They I believe it was a win, but I could, I'm not sure. I might have just okay. said to achieve. Good point. If Joe Madden's contract will be up in now uh, after one year, A, B, or C. He will sign a one-year extension to bring him into uh, 2020. He will sign a five-year extension, which will bring him through 2024. Or C, he will leave after next year, 2019. Done and gone. Vote right now. It is Pin 1000. See, I would have added a D. You don't care. No, my, <laughs> my D would have been yeah. that... Uh, he doesn't get an extension and they play it out and let it run out next year. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, one of the things I brought up this week is I don't quite understand why you got to give people 
an extension when they still have a whole other year left on a deal. Well, maybe you know what, Fred, I you might have uh, I might have misworded a. I didn't really imply a. We'll sign a one year extension. That could be at the end of next year, okay. was what I sort of was meant to imply, but you're exactly right. It was a little vague. I guess you could sign the extension at the end of the contract. Oh, well, one more year is what I meant. He'll sign a one more year add-on or right. whenever it does occur. But I'm with you. The Yankees don't do it, right? Yankees refused to do it. Last year, the Nationals didn't do it. Both Dusty mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, Girardi went to the playoffs as lame duck managers. Right. And people say, well, you know, sometimes they don't. No, they, you sign a contract for a reason, and it, you shouldn't worry about what your co- deal is going to be the following year. You should worry mm-hmm. about what you're doing now. Well, that's just not, you, you know, human nature. They're going to worry. Well, they shouldn't. It's, it's you know, you have a contract. You say, What good is a, contra- a four-year contract if you want another deal before the four years are up? So Cole Hamels, I agree. Cole Hamels last night, as Fred mentioned, seven innings uh, pitch, five hits, 98 pitches. How about this? He had 16 ground balls. Yeah, it was amazing. That were turned into outs. Two fly balls. Here's a guy. He's as focused. And I know, you know, I could be focused out there. and doesn't mean, you know, I'm going to get the ball over the plate, get anybody out. So don't get me wrong. <laughs> but this guy's like laser focused. Nothing seems to bother him. Right. And Joe made a comment after the game. He said, you know, it's a very unique guy. He says, you can talk to him during the game in the dugout or whatever, and he'll smile. He'll like, you know, he'll be compelling back and forth in a conversation and smile, but then he goes right back to being focused. Certainly implying, I I think probably most pitchers aren't able to like smile and pull out in the middle and then come back in, right? Yeah. Three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six, but 16 ground balls. He was smiling after his base hit, I'll tell you that. Hey. He can swing. The, he's been lost, all buried in the American League too long. I forgot back when he was with the Phillies what he did. Uh, he ripped that. That a, was, a, that was a shot up the middle. And then the bullpen, two more innings for the Cubs uh, last night. Two innings, two hits. Uh, no runs, obviously. One walk, one strikeout. Kinsler for a third. De La Rosa for two-thirds. Ciszek for a third. And uh, Chavez for two-thirds. Here's a uh, a quick note. The Cubs bullpen in the last nine innings, this encompasses one, two, three, four games in a row backwards, okay? Uh-huh. In the last nine innings, Cubs bullpen, six hits, no earned runs. Two walks, seven strikeouts. So it's uh, a whip under one. And those things, you know, get lost in the shuffle with all the numbers. And But Schwarber... Even though it was a long nine iron, a high pop up, like Fred said, can of corn by the curve of the well at Wrigley Field. Let's go over to, uh, let's bring in Len Casper and JD. Schwarber in the air to right. It's deep and it is gone. A home run for Kyle Schwarber. Last night, Ian Happ became the second Cub to homer this year in a one to nothing win. Schwarber was the first in April, and then maybe he'll do it again tonight. Well, not a massive blast like we see from time to time from Kyle Schwarber, but certainly good enough to get the job done. It's fastball up above the belt, and he just muscles it on out of here. Home run, whether it's a chip shot or not. Yep, they all count. As they built the ballpark that way, and that's what you're supposed to do. Doesn't matter if you hit it 450 or if you hit it uh, 346, as they said last night on Schwarber's. So consecutive one to nothing wins. I was thinking, there's always gimmick bets, you know, gadget bets uh, in Vegas or online. 
What would be the odds they would give you for a third one to nothing victory? Oh, that's right. Chet, Chet, Chet was pitching. Yeah, Chet was going. So yes, <laughs> that wouldn't be good. But let's say you were setting the odds. Now, the last time the Cubs won back to back games one to nothing was 1973. So what's that? 25, 27, 30, like 45 years ago. There you go. So every 45 years they win back to back. One nothing games. And they've never won three in a row. So what would the odds have to be for you to put a dollar down? Like, oh, a dollar. Five dollars. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. Right. A thousand dollars. I wouldn't put a thousand down. I'd put a dollar down. What the heck? Well, you just laughed at me when I said it down. (laughs) No, no, that's what I mean. It's a dollar. I'll put a dollar down on anything. You wouldn't do it for two to one or ten to one or a hundred to one. This would have to be like, what, five thousand to one, ten thousand to one. It'd be very high. And then you look at Chetwood, since he's pitching, how are you going to shut the other team out? Yeah, it's going to be tough. Well, it's going to be real tough. Well, Chet, now, do you think about it though? Yeah. It, it, the reason the Cubs have won seven of their last ten, they didn't do a lot of it offensively. Mo- almost all of this is because of their pitching. Uh, Quintana even Quintana pitched a decent game. Mm-hmm. Hendricks pitched a good game. Lester was amazing. Hamels was great. They're getting what they've been wait- waiting for. They're getting the pitching from their starting rotation. And, you know, today is going to be tough with Tyler Chatwood filling in for an injured Mike Montgomery. But they're getting what they expected out of their rotation right now. They're getting good, nice starts, nice long starts. Well, um, and it, and that's why they've won seven of their last ten well, and opened up the four-and-a-half game lead. Now, Quintana had a stinker, though. You, yeah, this time. Yeah, right. Yeah. This last time. Well, I mean, he gave up five. Didn't he give up five? Quintana went uh, five innings, five earned runs. He gave up the uh, two home runs to Braun. Yeah, and then right. So let me tell you something. The, he throws a pitch to Braun in the first inning, and then he threw the same one later. <laughs> the not the same one, the exact, exact same, same one. one. It was the exact. Well, I'm same so place. glad you mentioned that, yeah, Fred. And Braun just hit it further. Braun in the first inning. The, okay, this was uh, Tuesday. Uh, the Cubs will lose the game seven to nothing. Uh, Quintana gets hammered yet. He gives up in the first inning the two run homer to Braun. He throws well, lefty. He solo to Kane. Yeah. Enough, that's all right. And then uh, the two uh, run to Braun. He threw a pitch to Braun. Quintana's a lefty, just to recoup, recap here, rather. He throws a left handed high school curveball. That's got no bite and it's hanging and it's it's what I call a lazy curveball. It was a lazy. He threw a spinner. Well, a lot of his pitches looked that way because of his delivery and things. He's terrible. <laughs> He's not elite. Sorry, Cam. He throws a spinner that's uh-huh. got no bite. A high school lefty throws that, and the manager walks out and says, "Young man, don't do that again." Yeah. So the next time Braun comes up. Fred, like you just said, the same pitch. It was exact. It was, it was the exact, exact same, same pitch. They, exact, they put it on TV. Uh, they, well, I, I was. Yeah. I didn't see the. They showed I it did. on TV, and it was. It was like the, yeah. the ball's exactly in the same spot. How can you do that? Yeah. How can a major league pitcher can? So he threw the same release point, the same lazy spinner. What was this? Maybe in the third inning, next time Braun rolls or yeah, third inning, and it it's the same spot. It's about. It's just outside of center cut. It's uh, about belt high. And Braun, he loves to get his arms out, you know. Yep. And 
when the pitch was thrown, you go, I can't. I, I bet you Braun couldn't believe it. Yeah. I'm surprised that wasn't one of those times when Braun, like, almost f- flinched and, and took it. Like, yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah. Right on a tee. Yeah. <sighs> Quintana. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Do the Cubs make the postseason without you, Darvish? Yes or no? Vote right now at ESPN 1000. The Cubs... Back-to-back, one-to-nothing victories were both exciting games. I love one-to-nothing. Or B, they were both boring. Who can watch a one-to-nothing game? So last night, one-to-nothing, it gets always a a nail-biter in the ninth inning. As uh, Fred and I were discussing seven double plays. And you're thinking, oh, no, can it happen again? So the ninth inning starts. Cubs up, obviously, by one run. Cisha comes in. We're going to talk about Joe bringing him in three three days in a row. Yep. I don't like it. Cisha comes in, gives up a base hit. Wild pitch sends a man to second, and he strikes out Marte. Lefty coming up. Into Pena you got Wilson. I thought they might go there. Joe might go there. And uh, Rosario back up because of the Montgomery. He brings in another righty, maybe sort of questionable. Chavez walks the man. Now you got first and second, one out. And you got uh, sort of a home run or nothing guy. Yeah. Big right-handed hitting freeze comes up. Uh, let's go here. Let's hear Len Casper. The stretch and a 1-1. Bounce to third. Step on third. Double plays. Cubs win. Cubs win one to nothing. There's no other way this ball game was going to end. I've never seen anything like it. Ties a major league record. Seven double plays in one ball game. Again, the the, the Giants versus the Astros in 69. I do not know if on that particular occasion they were all on the ground. Tonight it was six ground ball double plays, one line-out double play. Clearly a frustrating night for the Pirates. And another nail-biter W for the Cubs. On a night where they had some guys in that pen unavailable. So De La Rosa, Chavez, Kinsler, Ciszek all combined in support of Cole Hamill. It was brilliant yet again. Highlights there. The guys over at NBC Chicago Sports. They really were hung up last night. The TV guys? Yeah. They were really hung up last night. I don't know if it was a ground ball double play or if it was in the air. Well, that was a Len. double play is a double play. Len, Len gets a little persnickety. <laughs> it was double play is a double play. There's seven double plays. I don't care where they were. I've been They're waiting plays. All, all week. They all count as two outs. Persnickety, so yeah. thanks. I'm they sorry. all count as two outs. Yeah. It's like, I'm, come on. Who cares? Well, we're not sure if they, what was, they were all ground. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They're double plays. The 69 Astros and the 42 Yankees, the only other time since the turn of the century. Not this turn of the century 18 years ago, the one 118 years ago. Uh, but the other uh, fun thing was uh, the back-to-back for the Cubs, one to nothing victories, all right? So this was uh, Lester yesterday and Hamels today. The last time it occurred, Fred, was 1973. Having not a lot to do at midnight last night, uh-huh. I went back and looked it up. So in 1973, the Cubs won back to back games on April uh, 17 and April 18 at Shea Stadium. Okay. Against the uh, 
hated Mets. Well, Ronnie had to be happy with that. Right. The first game. Well, 73, he might not have been there. Ronnie there. He was, yeah, he was, he was with, with the White Sox. Yeah, he was thing. with Chuck Tanner telling him to yeah. go play second when they told him he was going to play third. And Milton said, I ain't going anywhere. Yeah. I, I played third. The game, listen to this. So 1973, Cubs win the first of two in a row at Shea, one to nothing. Fergie Jenkins versus Tom Seaver. Okay. All right. That Sounds was probably like, an hour and 58 minutes. Oh, I should have checked that. Sounds like a one to nothing game, yep. right? Yep. Jenkins goes nine. Seaver, uh, Tom Seaver goes nine. Two hitter for Jenkins and five hits uh, given up by uh, uh, terrific Tom, Tom Terrific Seaver. And uh, uh, the run for the Cubs, a home run by Rick Monday in the fourth inning. Okay. I don't have to say solo shot, do no, I? No, you don't. No, one to nothing. Not a one nothing game. Well, that's not enough. So the next day, the Cubs beat the Mets again at Shea. That would be April 18 of 1973. This time, Big Ray Burris on the hill. Oh, I loved Ray Burris. And uh, Cubs win that game one to nothing. They get a run in the top of the first inning. Leadoff hitter, center fielder, Cleo James gets on base. Okay. Gets around the base to score in the first inning. The previous time to that was 19, this is back to back one to nothing wins for the Cubs. 1973, then 1961, back to 1920, and 1918. The one I like about the 1918, it was in St. Louis. It was a 4th of July doubleheader <laughs> in Old Sportsman's Park in 1918, July 4th. One to nothing, one to nothing. So imagine that. It's probably 100 degrees. Any time 4th of July, I've been in oh, St. It's Louis. Awful. It's 100 degrees. Yeah, it's terrible. So it's 100 degrees. They're wearing the flannels. They're sweating like hell out there. A day game doubleheader. No lights, obviously, in 1918. They take back-to-back one-to-nothing at St. Louis, 1920. But here's the one that's interesting. They did it uh, prior to 73. It was 1961. The Cubs, uh, let's see. These games are in uh, August, I believe. Friday and Saturday. The Cubs win one-to-nothing Friday. This was over the Cardinals. Glenn Hobby, the big burly right-hander, you never heard of him, but some old-timers like me. Glenn Hobby pitches nine innings, seven hits for a one-to-nothing game over in St. Louis. The next day, Dick Ellsworth pitches, you ever heard of him? You remember him, Fred? Nine innings, a three-hitter. So rare indeed for this to occur. I'm chuckling because I found the box score for Tuesday, April 17th, 1973 at Shea Stadium. Yeah. Uh, the Cubs had a total of five hits. The lineup was Monday, Cardinal, Williams, Pepitone. Santo was still there. Okay. He, um, Beckert, Hundley, Kessinger, and Jenkins uh, in a snappy <laughs> one hour and 45 minutes. You called it. One hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> Fergie Jenkins, complete oh game, God. two hitter, one to nothing, shutout, Tom Seaver. Struck out five. Game, five hits. Uh, an hour and 40 what? They that packed him in at Shea, 14,500 an hour and 45 minutes. They packed him in as right. Because oh, in 1961, I was talking about at Wrigley Field, the back-to-back one to nothing. Uh, 3,192 for the Glenn Hobby <laughs> nine-inning yeah. shutout Friday. Uh, then they packed in 9,103 Saturday at Wrigley Field for the second one when Dick Ellsworth threw the uh, nine-inning three-inning shutout. Uh, let's have the uh, results when we return. The Twitter poll, Jesse Rogers, coming up. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the uh, uh, Cubs over the last few days. We're looking at the good. There's some bad, and there's some ugly. So we'll play all fields here. Got some uh, White Sox sound bites. Jesse at 10. Bears talk. Our buddy Luke Canellis. 
uh, in the 10 o'clock hour. So stick around. We're busy. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred vote right now at ESPN 1000. about a half hour, oh, less than a half hour away from the little guy, Jesse Rogers. Jesse's excited because he said, I predicted Schwarbs. I predicted Schwarbs yesterday on the air. Can you, can you, he said, can Felix pull a cut? I said, Felix is a very busy guy, Jesse. I'll talk to him. Felix, somewhere yesterday, Jesse probably made three appearances, right? He's on 10, 15, 20 yeah. minutes. So do you got an extra hour and go through and find where uh, Jesse said Schwarbs is going to have a big night? <laughs> he hit a fly ball to right. It just happened to get out. I don't no, come on. <laughs> but that's what he did. I but mean, even he would tell you. Well, right. Maybe that's what he tried to do. He said, "All I got to do is pull out the nine iron." Have you ever seen? Have you ever shot. seen? Have you ever seen Schwarbs try to get just get one over the fence? That's all you got to do. He tries to put him on the top of the scoreboard. That's his he was trying as... to pull one in the Allegheny or whatever the hell river that is. <laughs> Monongahela. Yeah, one of those three. The Ohio, the Monongahela. And the, uh, what, what did you just I said Allegheny. Allegheny, that's, that's right. the three. That's that right. was the old yeah. three rivers. All right, let's uh, bring in, let's in Felix the Cat. Felix Rez, what the fans have to say on the Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll. The first one of the hour was, do the Cubs make the postseason without Darvish? I'm voting. Now, see, that's not going to make people happy. You got a four and a half game lead and a wild card. Yep. All you got to do is make the wild card. Boy, you know what? Then if that one wild card's no fun. That's one at all. game, one and done. Yeah, they're up four and a half right now. So that's a good thing. They do have a tough schedule. I didn't write, can they make it? It's do the Cubs make the postseason without Darvish? I'm going to say this right now. It'd be hard for me not to vote no. There's... Because now without Montgomery, you got Chatwood. Everything looked good for the last few days, like Fred mentioned. Yep. Uh, the three good starts in a row. Hendricks, Lester, and last night, Hamels. All looks fine. I'd be hard-pressed to say they, you know, they're going to make this thing without Darvish. You need... All right, we'll find you out. You don't know what you're going to get, though, from him. So that's my biggest thing well, with I him. Don't, you, no, Darvish right. may come back and... Even if he's healthy, he may be this. He may still be the head case you had early in the year. Well, you know, you're exactly right. For some reason, I perceive that if he does come back, he's going to be at the top of his game at least in the regular season. Who uh-huh. knows what happens when the light switch goes on or off in the postseason? What the fans say there, Felix? All right, and I see what you did here, Murph, with the uh, with the options. You put A no and B yes, mm-hmm. and even with that. 88% are saying yes. Okay. 12% saying no. Cubs make postseason without you, Darvish. Well, then you know what? Then there's no reason to pitch him, if that's true. You don't need to even pitch him then until maybe a week before the season ends, Felix, right? Tune him up once or twice. Yep. Why yeah. brush him if you're going to make it? 930 uh, Twitter poll was, if the Cubs make the postseason... Oh, I like this one, Fred. If the Cubs make the postseason, Jose Quintana will A, be in a four-man rotation in the postseason. B, he'll be in a bullpen. C, will not make the 25-man roster. Okay. Let's let that one percolate a few more minutes. 
Our other Twitter poll was the Cubs won by the scores of one to nothing Thursday and Friday. A. They were both very exciting games. B. They were both boring. Now, do you see where we're going here again, Felix? Yep, I see what you did there. You know, people dig the long ball and uh, the home runs. and They they got homers. They got two of them. How many do they want? (laughs) Baseball's boring. Baseball's slow. I hate baseball. The National League, you got to watch the pitcher, man. Ah, baseball, I can't take it. It's just so old school and slow. And I want action. There's no action. Well, what... There's very little action, one to nothing games. So I would project, Fred, that our our massive audience of intelligent sports fans, our majority, can say they were boring. Because who wants to watch one to nothing games? So I'm going to say it's about eighty percent. They were both boring. Is the vote? I think if the um, if the seven double play game was two games ago, uh-huh. as opposed to yesterday, then the the boring would be high. But because it was last night, I'm thinking it's going to be 50-50. So if it were uh, Friday, we right. were doing I actually, I actually thought Thursday's game was a little boring. Last night, not so much because they kept turning the double plays. Mm-hmm. So I kind of thought the one the other day was, yeah, a little dragged out and slow. By the way, the Thursday one... It was one, quick. It was a quick game. Yes, it was. The Thursday one to nothing game you're referring to, Pedro Strope. Comes in. It was his seventh save out of his last seven opportunities since Joe put him in the uh, closer role on, I believe, July 22nd. He had been three out of six closing out of six opportunities. Three out of six. So he's now 10 out of 13. He's really good right now. Seven out of his last seven. Yep. Pedro Strope. You know, I said, I don't think he's a ninth inning guy, but he's valuable. He does a good job, you know. Sometimes maybe the confidence. Maybe it's all it takes. Here's here's I don't know if you knew this. He leads the National League and he's tied for second in Major League Baseball with eight saves since the All Star break. Okay. He's one and oh with nine saves in his last ten chances. I'm sorry, in ten chances in his last nineteen games uh-huh. since June twenty seventh with a two point oh four ERA, four walks and twenty strikeouts. That's pretty good. He throws that slider. As Stoney would say, the wipeout slider. I'm getting tired of that phrase, by the way. Not just by by everybody. He throws that slider, and if you're, you know, the hitter looks bad. You're geared up for a fastball, and he's, he's got about 96 on the gun, probably, and the slider's probably about, what, 90, 91? Yeah. And when you pull a trigger and you start swinging, all of a sudden that ball disappears down and away. It wipes you out. There's, you know, Javi Baez can look bad on pitches. Yeah. Nobody looks worse than Starling Marte looked on the uh, C-Shack pitch yesterday. He was flat-footed. Yeah. He just, like, swung at a ball and got the strikeout. I've never seen anybody look that bad. And they showed the replay from the um, first-base camera, and the people behind him were just laughing, falling out of their seats. Be- the Pirate not, fans. Not, tra- not understanding how he could have swung so poorly uh, at a uh, strike three. Well, because C-Shack- Charlie Marte, he's struggling big time. <laughs> C-Shack will do that to you, though. But you know that going to the plate. You know he's most, his ball's going to go well, that way. But here's the thing. Even though he's down under, he throws the two-seamer, which comes back. So it doesn't always do that wipeout break on because nah. he'll throw that comeback to seamer sidearm and it comes back towards your belt buckle 
So, I mean, he does keep you honest. It, it, would, it wouldn't even, you know, the catcher was lucky to catch it at all. It should have been a draft third. It was so far out. You don't give the pitcher any credit? Huh? Oh, no, it was, a, it was a nice pitch. Right, okay. It was a great pitch. I just couldn't <laughs> believe how far it was so far outside. It was, and he even said, J.D. and um, uh, Len Casper said, yeah. this ball was never close to the plate. No, it wasn't. Never. I mean, not once. From the time he left his hand, it was not going to be anywhere close to the plate. That's uh, when but he's panicking because Marte's not hitting at all. Well, he wanted slump. to do something. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he played with him. Yeah. He and said, he, he did the job. <laughs> yeah, and immediately Joe stuck him out. And I understand he'd been in for a couple games. So, but that, that got a little hairy too with Chavez coming in. Well, Cichet three games in a row. I don't like that, but Joe knows what he's doing. You're playing with fire when you bring a reliever in three days in a row. But you know what? He hadn't thrown all that many pitches, so Joe must have figured it's okay. Uh, Felix the Cat, we didn't put you to sleep. You still there, buddy? I'm still here, guys. Okay, what the fans <laughs> say? Back to back, one to nothing games, boring or exciting? 70% say both games were exciting. There you go. Just Good. like Fred said, and 30% both games were boring. Okay. All right. Yeah, see, if it was, like I said, if they were flipped, if the seven uh, double plays were the other day and last night was uh, Thursday's game, I think it would have been different. But Hey, Felix, I submitted uh, some of these to you yesterday about 6 o'clock before the Cub game, right? That's correct. And we had that, and it was worded yesterday. I had no idea it was going to be another one to nothing back to back. I said the Cubs won Thursday one to nothing. It was exciting. It was boring. Like Fred said, might have been totally different. Here's our Twitter poll on board right now. If the Cubs do make the postseason, Jose Quintana, A, B, or C? A. He'll be in the form because you only usually throw four men starting pitchers in the postseason, right? right? With the off days built in travel days or whatever, which I don't think is right. I think there should be few, if any, off days in the postseason. So you have to use your five-man rotation. That's what got you there, a team. And if you're weak in the fifth guy, why should you all of a sudden not? But, you know, they want the travel days, the day off, whatever. I understand that. Oh, the media's got to travel. It's tough. The media doesn't have private jets. Yeah, but you during the regular season, the Cubs are going to play 22, 23 games in a row without an off day. So it's it's crazy. Vote now. If the Cubs make the postseason, A, B, or C, Jose Quintana will be in that four-man rotation. B, he'll be in the bullpen. C, he won't even be on the 25-man roster. Three three two three seven seven six. Hey, Felix, give me a little uh, a good, bad, and ugly uh, music there. Uh, let's take a look at Cubs, good, the bad, and the ugly. Fred, we've been covering the good. The bullpen, last nine innings they've pitched, six hits, no earned runs. The rotation, the last three days, that's the good. Lester, Hamels, and Hendricks. The bad, Jose Quintana, terrible. We covered that. The same two pitches in a row, you wouldn't do that in Little League to Braun. Boom, shakalaka. As Bruce would say, well, Quintana bad. Montgomery. Now, this has not been really covered enough. Montgomery on the DL. Right. He was supposed to pitch today. Yes, he was. On 10 days rest, he threw one inning last Saturday. He now says, well, it was a little funny 
tender or whatever after I threw the one inning in relief Saturday. But I thought I would just soreness, you know, just nat- natural rather, you know, soreness. I said, then I threw sidelines or whatever, you know, bullpen yesterday. And it's it's not the same. Something's wrong. I think it'll be okay. If it was a World Series, I would pitch. See, At least to the last batter to get the last out. Now, what happened to Mike Montgomery? I'll tell you what happened. We know what happened. They overused him. I know he's pitched. He's been a starting pitcher right. in the past. I know. I'm just saying, in my opinion, he's a bullpen guy. And all of a sudden, they lose Darvish back in May. And I did about a four week ago, Fred, a Murph moment, a harangue. Uh-huh. And I said, the day that Darvish went on the DL back on, what, May 23rd or whatever, that was the day that Theo in the front office should have made a concerted effort somehow to bring in from outside the organization a starting pitcher, a fourth or fifth starter. Because when they moved Montgomery into the starting role, it weakened the bullpen. He was your one inning, two inning, sometimes two and a third inning guy, soaking up important innings. It exposed everybody else. It overused the rest of the bullpen. And Montgomery was not geared up. In my opinion, now that we see what's happening, he had 10 days off, so and his arm's still not right. So that's not good. That's what you call the bad. I thought their bullpen's been been the one thing that's saved them all year long. It's it been, has. It's been very well. But there's still six weeks to go. Yeah. You lost Morrow. You've been able to rotate guys in and out. I, I mean, know. You've been able to bring in the, the Mazzoni guys and the, you know, the Farrell guys and, the, the, you know, stuff like that. Rosario is a savior and yeah. stuff like that. Well, so, right, but... you know, they've been able to get by without really their bullpen has not given up a lot of a lot of leads late in games. But this all pointed out that there had been no starting pitching developed in the five, six, seven years of the new organization. And they had no one there to bring up that was, an estate, was a bona fide starting pitcher. They mixed and matched, like you said, Fred. And now Montgomery, this is a major loss. And if it's just a 10 more days on the DL, maybe everything's fine. The other bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The other bad is... David Bodie. No. How could that be bad? I know. I know. How could Bodie be bad? Here's why. They they struck him out with high heat yesterday. Uh-huh. Isn't there a TV show that does that? High heat, something like that? Yep. Okay. Yep. MLB Network. Chris Russo. High heat. He can't copyright it because it's been around for 100 years. Uh-huh. Well, maybe he can. Whatever. See, here's the thing I, I worry about with, with David Bodie. There was a guy named Cody Bellinger with the Dodgers. Last year, rookie, hit like 35 home runs, whatever. Yeah. He had a big uppercut, which is what we used to call it. Now it's called launch, launch angle. angle or oh, lift. Yeah. lift. Matt Olson with a nice launch angle last night. Well, all of a sudden this year, Bellinger didn't have any more power. Why? They, they observed in the winter, other teams, this big Launch up swing, right? This big uppercut. See, no one threw high fastballs for the last 20 years in baseball. High strike or right. up here, I'm rubbing by my chest right Well, and here. they changed it now. Oh, yeah. They, they'll call the high strike now. But you can't hit a high fastball with the big uppercut loft no. launch angle. No. Now, Bodie, when he hit the grand slam, the pitch was knee high 
Even oh, lower. Almost below. Yeah. And he yeah. scrunched down. It was an amazing piece of woodwork, as Hawk used to say. And he was able to get down and uppercut that low pitch, which is almost hard to imagine visually right now yep. in your mind. But when you throw it as high, Bellinger couldn't catch up with it. He couldn't hit anything this year. Yep. So the only thing I'm worried about is if Bodie, you know, hey, these guys aren't dumb. They'll, they'll find that hole in your swing. That's the good, that's the bad. We have the we ugly when we return. Yeah, well, you're looking for a neighborhood gem of a restaurant. You know the place. Cozy atmosphere, impeccable menu. Not easy to find. Well, I got some advice for you. Go with experience. Vincitore, that's right. The Italian cuisine served in a casual trattoria setting right in the heart of downtown Westmont. Uh, Vincitore's menu features exquisite pasta, seafood, steaks, veal, chops, and salads, all freshly prepared daily, featuring owner and Chef Bob's individual style. Head to Vincitore tonight. Feast on some incredible Italian dishes paired with tantalizing wine. For reservations, info, salivating photos, head to Vincitore. That's V-I-N-C-I-T-O-R-I dot com. Get the grilled calamari. You will not be disappointed. Murph and Fred shall return. The good, the bad. We have the ugly next. Jesse Rogers. Oh, I shouldn't have said those at the same time. Jesse with us at 10. And uh, vote now at our Twitter poll at ESPN 1000. Bears around uh, 1030. Eight eighteen eighteen is that the date of August eighteenth? Yep. Yeah. And later on tonight, we missed it already uh, at eight eighteen this evening. Okay. You can get eight eighteen <laughs> eighteen eight and eighteen, 18 seconds. 18. Yeah, you can get it all tonight. <laughs> I heard. Yeah, I don't know where. A lot of people are getting married today. It's a it's a sign of good luck to get married on a palindrome. Oh yeah. Which, you know the same. Like uh, if your last name were Durf, Fred right. Durf, Fred Durf would be a yep. palindrome spelled the same forward right. and backwards. Uh-huh. Otto, like our buddy Dave Otto, O T T O, right? A number like the year nineteen sixty one is a palindrome. So eight eighteen eighteen would be the same forward as backwards, and evidently that's a sign of good luck. So best wishes to everyone getting married today. And it helps if it falls on a Saturday. It sure does. Yeah. The good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, uh, the good we mentioned for the Cubs, uh, the bullpen, the last three starting uh, outings, uh, Lester, Hamels, and Hendricks. The bad, Quintana just looking terrible. Monty, Montgomery on the DL. Uh, Bodie, I don't know about the possible hole in his swing with the high heat. We'll find out if the uh, pitching staffs uh, exploit him with all the video they have now and analytics. It's hard to hide a hole uh, in your swing. But the ugly, uh, remember the old phrase, Fred, I don't hear it as much as we used to, the uh, good field, no hit. Yeah. Oh, you heard that all it's the time. Gone, yeah, it's gone away. I use, I've been using it for years because you don't see those players anymore, the good field, no hit guys. Well, shortstops was what they, you know, if you were a great lover. Great could, oiler from the uh, Tigers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, good field, no hit. You could play in the big leagues, but now you got to hit. Yeah. And this is usually. Eddie Brinkman. And good field, right. no hit. And usually a shortstop you yeah. think of. It could be sure. a second baby. Yeah. But now you got to hit. You can't get by on good field. No. Well, here's the other. don't care. Addison Russell can't hit. No, he can't. No. He's a great fielder. He's an automatic out. Now, he's won for his last 16. He'll spray a gap double oppo every once in a while, but this can't keep going on. We'll talk to Jesse in a couple minutes. Uh, 
Yeah, Jesse next, Murph and Fred, Bears in the next hour. We're here with you till noon. Glad you're along. Vote now. Twitter poll out there for you. Vote at ESPN 1000. Get me Jesse. Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN 1000. Momento away from Jesse Rogers, Murph and Fred, hour number two. Always fun to be with you on a Saturday. We're here till noon. By the way, in case you missed it, White Sox a 9-3 winner. Yes. Five RBIs from Nicky Delmonico. We got Hit some White Sox highlights. crap out of the ball. We'll do that after Jesse. We got some White Sox highlights. Yep. And I got a White Sox minute earlier this week that was astounding uh-huh. from uh, Jason Benetti. But I had my own last night. It's Saturday. He'll be at the park. It's Jeff Rogers. Saturday. Be on the park. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Jesse. It feels like a party every day. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Jesse. Let's go to Pittsburgh, bring in. ESPN 1000's baseball guy, Cubs guy, Jesse Rogers. Morning, Jesse. Good morning, Murph and Fred. It's another rainy day in Pittsburgh. But you know what? <laughs> the rain has been good to the Cubs. No BP the first two days. They win each game one nothing. What are you going to do? Hey, you well, got just enough. You can always go tour yep. the Heinz uh, 57 plant down the street. And let the record show we're not going to ask you anything about pierogies, okay? <laughs> well, you'd be the only show, right? Pierogi. <laughs> all right, fans, we got Jesse Rogers here. Jesse's the man with all the inside, all the numbers. I got a bunch of inside, a bunch of numbers. but uh, Hopefully, Jesse stayed awake for these last two games, one nothing. I hope games. he stays awake for the next 15 minutes. Well, that might be more of a challenge. <laughs> Give us something good there, Jesse. Numbers, inside, uh, what do you got? Yeah, I got some for you. What do you I'm going I'm to ask you guys first. What do you think mm-hmm. is the all-time record? For most shutouts in one season for a team without a complete game. Most shutouts in a season without a complete game. You mean the raw number? How many? Yeah. Yeah, give me the raw number. Out of 162 games, what's the most shutouts without a complete game? This is all time? Yep, all time. Well, shutouts were very common back in the 1900s, the 20s, and the 30s, the dead ball. Yeah, but so were complete games. <laughs> right? Oh, so. so more uh, recent. All time, most shutouts without a complete game. Okay. In a season by one team. Mm hmm. I'm going to go uh, six. I was going to say eight, eight or nine. No, no, no. Much more than that. Oh, yeah? Much more. Yeah, think about this. Oh, yeah, shutouts without a. Okay. Yeah, shutouts without a complete game. The all time record is 20. Oh, seven innings. Okay. 2007 Padres. 20. Shutouts without a complete game. The Cubs are at 14, which ties their all-time record themselves. 14 shutouts, which leads the league, by the way, without a complete game. The 2010 Cubs had that, so they might set the all-time record. I don't see a shut. I don't see a complete game unless it's Cole Hamels in their future. I mean, they have five, six weeks to go. Joe's not going to extend anybody to 120. I thought he had a shot last night after six or seven, but. Uh, uh, ate up a few more pitches in that uh, seventh inning, and uh, you know came out at ninety-eight. But yeah. 
But that 14 shutouts so far, no complete games. It is a different game this day and age. Okay, well, yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. When you break it down, obviously, uh, no one throws a, a complete game anymore. So anytime there's a shutout, it's one of yeah. your, it's part of your equation. Unless it's Scherzer or Kluber, nobody right. else throws them. Right. I, it's funny that you did it. I just went through to see what uh, the Cup pitchers have done and how many times they've thrown 100 pitches in a game this year. Lester's done it 11 out of 25 starts. Hendricks, 6 out of 25 and Quintana 5 out of 23 because I wanted to see if in fact Joe would leave a guy in to get a 100 110 if in fact he was cruising and we haven't seen that yet really this year no and I don't think we're going to see it down the stretch unless things get tight in standings he's gonna he's gonna play this thing smart in the sense that okay we have a little lead now we need we need Lester in October why should I extend him to 120 just to get that that complete game. So I think that the time has come and gone. I think it would have been, you know, mid-season when they were at their strongest that someone would have had a complete game. But of course, none of them deserved to throw a complete game back then. Anyway, 14 shutouts, no complete games. That ties an all-time record for the Cubs, and they're probably bound to break it with five, six weeks to go. Uh, Jesse, you just you just went and made us both look like complete idiots. So well, we appreciate that. Let's project that uh, stat uh, to the uh, here and now. So one to nothing, one to nothing. As we know, that hadn't occurred for the Cubs back to back, uh, one to nothing wins in 73. And that, of course, would have been, uh, Fergie Jenkins over Tom Seaver. And, uh, then it was Ray Burris as they beat the Mets twice, uh, in the Shea Stadium. Uh, and that made Ron Santo, as Fred said, very, very happy. But the last two nights and the couple nights before then, the Cubs bullpen, here's one for you, young man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last nine innings of the Cubs bullpen, Six hits, no earned runs. Lost in the shuffle of all the excitement. Uh, the starting pitching, Hamels was terrific. It's his fourth in a row. He's three and oh. His Ernie is, uh, 0.72 or 7.3 with the Chicago Cubs. But the bullpen lights out again. Last night. Let's look at it with a little more of a, a microscopic uh, view. He brings in for the third game in a row, uh, the, the rubber armed, uh, uh, right hander, a uh, Seashack, which always worries me, but Joe knows. And you got the uh, pitching coach that's been with Joe now, uh, back at Tampa Bay, uh, Hickey. Uh, I hate seeing a bullpen guy come in three days in a row. He hasn't thrown that many pitches, granted. But it was a very interesting mix and match for the eighth and ninth inning. You get the seven innings, lights out there, 16 ground balls, only two fly balls by Hamels, the seven double plays. We've been talking about that. Kinzer comes in for two hitters. De La Rosa comes in, gets a double play, one batter, two outs. Cisha comes in in the ninth, a single wild pitch and a strikeout. Chavez comes in, walks a man to put first and second, one out to double play. It makes me a little nervous when I see four guys coming in and out, but Joe had it nailed down. Were you a little concerned about Cisha three games in a row? Absolutely. In fact, I looked at the numbers. I don't have it right in front of me, but I think I saw it last night. Mm-hmm. In his third game in, in, in his career, it doesn't happen often. Um, his ERA is like 260, whatever that means. You know, pitching in the third game of three in a row sure. in his career, it's like 260, but that doesn't mean anything. He did not look great. You know, Ciszek did not look great. You could tell something was up. 
I mean, this is what happens when you win a few close games in a row and what happened, uh, you know, against Milwaukee with them getting the bases loaded. You use up all your A relievers. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I wondered why Justin Wilson wasn't in yes. against Polanco late. Then Joe tells me um, right. he warmed up a lot in the one nothing game, and so he was unavailable. Edwards was unavailable. Stroke was unavailable. Right. He really didn't want to use C-Shack, but he did. So this is what happens. You cross your fingers, you roll your dice with your B guys, and, you know, Shab is a smart cookie. He knew what he wanted to do against Polanco. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he didn't get the 3-2 pitch, and he he agreed afterwards it was outside. But then he, he knows he can throw a sinker first and second. He's got double you know forces everywhere. He made the right pitch to freeze, who he has seen a lot in the American League, he told me. So he put the right kind of guy in that moment, I think, because Chavez has been there, done that before. No, that's a, that's a, a great point. Jesse Rogers with us on the road with the Cubs in Pittsburgh. The... Uh, we just did some good, some bad, and some ugly with the uh, with the Cubs. The good, of course, the bullpen we just talked about. Fred's been talking about the last three. Let's not forget Hendricks three days ago, Lester and Hamels. The good, the bad, the Quintana start earlier in the week. Bad Montgomery going on to DL. Let's take a look at that, Jesse. He was supposed to pitch today on 10 days starting rest. He threw one inning back on Saturday. Everybody says it was a surprise. Uh, it's, it's not good. Uh, this is a key guy in the bullpen or the swing man. Uh, let's not get lost in the shuffle with the excitement of the two fun to watch games. There's a big blow losing Mike Montgomery, hopefully for the Cubs, not for more than the 10 day DL, but who knows? Yeah, he didn't think it was serious. I don't like the fact that he pitched in that one inning. I think you change. Your arm isn't used to going back and forth like that. Mm-hmm. I think it, this is what sort of hurt him last year going back and forth, and he tired at the end. I wish they would have just given him a fake 10-D DL or just keep him on the roster and don't use him for 10 days. But they threw him in the bullpen for one appearance, and he felt it in that appearance, by the way. Then he went to his own you know, bullpen session uh, between – you know, outings, and he felt it again. So I feel like prepping for that bullpen, you know, getting up in the middle of the game is not something he's done in a couple months. But that's just my opinion. I just didn't like the fact that you can't start, 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 one bullpen, then start, start, you know what I mean? Like, I just, yeah. I feel like your arm isn't used to that. you got to get used to one thing or the other. In any case, to me, it's not a coincidence he gets hurt. Joe called it ironic. I don't think it's a coincidence he gets hurt during the time where they actually backed off of him but they put him in the bullpen for one outing. So he doesn't think it's serious, so we'll go off of that for now. But I agree with you, it's a little bit of a blow because, you know, Darvish is still weeks away, and with Chatwood tonight, we're going to miss him. We could be missing Montgomery a lot more after the next, you know, after tonight's game. We'll see. You could even argue on the flip side, though, Montgomery has not been a starting pitcher for many, many years, and maybe it just wore him down eventually, but... We'll find all that out maybe in the future. Uh, Jesse, uh, I, I owe you a nickel. I uh, made a, a text to bet with, you know, high roller Murph. <laughs> I said, uh, bet you, bet you nickel that Schwarber is not in the lineup again, you know, tonight, meaning yesterday afternoon. The big left field uh, area to cover, Hep had been out there in the uh, first of the uh, one to nothing, but Schwarber is put in. Joe evidently uh, knew what he was doing. Uh, Fred and I have been mentioning it was just a nine-iron chip shot, yep. but that's all it took, right, for the home run. Yeah, that's where you got to hit homers. That's why I think you like the lefties in this park. You can't hit a ball out to right, I mean to left or left center. It just it doesn't fly out there, and it's huge. you got to have those lefties in there to pull the ball like Hap did the day before. 
like Schwarber did. He's coming closer to getting back to, you know, he walked later in the game. He's been a better Schwarber just the last three or four days. So that's that's a good sign. They need some of that bottom of the order stuff to start happening. You can't just rely on Zobrist, and we know Baez has cooled off. Rizzo's been good. But you got to get some of those bottom order guys going. So Hap Homer, Schwarber Homer, those are good signs. Now you need Russell Contreras to kind of start to heat up and then can really get back to that first half offense. You think it's time for Russell to sit down for a game or so and uh and, and see, you know, the Bodie the Bodie at third, the Baez at short or whatever, Bodie at uh sure. you figure it out. You're going with against a uh, a righty today, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's All been four. doing it every few days. Russell's been getting some time off and Bodie gets back in there. Um, so yeah, uh, I could see it happening again. I can't tell you for sure, but Joe's got that rotation going. It's it's pretty much working now. I mean, think about what happened since Wednesday. They they could have gone down to a one game lead, and all of a sudden it's four and a half right. just a few days later. So whatever he's doing is working, even though they only scored one run in each game here. Um, look, you needed that great defense yesterday, right? Yep. Hamill's on the mound. You got all those ground balls. Nothing wrong with Russell playing short if other guys are hitting, but I don't disagree with you. It, it, you know, I think Russell is part of that rotation of being in and out for sure. Well, let's stick back with Russell for a minute. We did, as I mentioned, the good, the bad, the ugly. The ugly was Addison Russell. I said, Fred, you know, we, we go back. Uh, Jesse, you're a youngster. You ever hear the expression, good field, no hit back in the day? Sure. All right. That was when shortstops didn't have to hit. Back in the day. And you you could be a vacuum cleaner out there, suck everything up, get everybody out, and you could hit 212. Fred rattled off a bunch of the names. Yeah, <laughs> Ray Euler and uh, Eddie Brinkman and a bunch, yeah. of, a bunch of guys back in the 70s. Dale Maxville, up uh-huh. and down, up and down. You can't do that anymore. Now, Russell, I know he goes hot and cold. Fred said, he's actually, his on base is still he's hanging on, in there. Well, his on base is still better than hobbies, which is which is amazing. <laughs> but Addison Russell right now, you know, he's an automatic out. Uh, occasionally, he'll go oppo on a high fastball up and away and drive a gap double to right center, which is nice. You know, don't get me wrong. But one of his last 16, the only way you'll get out of it, I guess, is to keep rolling him out there and letting him swing. But Maybe not. Jesse, uh, by August 31st, if you pick up a player through waivers, you can put them on the postseason October roster, right? You got to have them, though, by August 31st, a new guy. Well, that's right. Yeah, they have to be in the, on, the, on your 40-man. Right. Um, doesn't have to be 25-man. Your 40-man right. by September 1st, right. Now. I don't know how much long, like you said, Russell's fine as long as the other guys are hitting. You know, you, you made a, a general, you know, with, with in, in general. How long do you stick? I mean, right now, he's scuffling so much. You got the automatic out in the National League, the pitcher. And, you know, again, I hate the DH. That's not the direction, this angle, this argument. But you can't have your and Hamels, Fred. Hamels looked like he could bat number Hamels one. Hamels can hit the heck out of the ball. Yeah, right, he could bat, but in the third hole, it looked like the swing he takes. But more specifically, Russell, he has no trade value next winter. And uh, I know you do three shows a day, and there's a lot of things, and I couldn't find it. But you made some interesting points earlier in the week, as always, as always. You know, well, Chatwood, maybe you can package him up in the winter, throw in most of the summer to Doe and Russell. These two guys are untradeable, Jesse. Not to, you know, go loggerheads with you here. But what sure, was, sure. but, you know, Russell is a long term anchor right now, a bad anchor, not a good no, anchor. You want it, will drag, drag it out. <laughs> right. So 
I mean, how many days are you going to keep rolling? You know, you scored two runs in the last two days in the pitching. You win, so everything's rosy. But how long do you uh, keep running Russell out there, and what are your options? Uh, buy is it short, but then what do you do at second? It's it's not pretty right now when he comes at a plate. Yeah, a couple things, and you bring up some good points. First of all, and, and the question has to be answered uh, when Chris Bryant comes back, how do you keep Bodie in the lineup? And the answer is exactly that. I mean, Russell's playing time could be diminished. Now, I don't know about an October playoff scenario. If Baez would go to short, Bodie would go to second, Bryant would go to third. I don't think they're at the point of just handing Bodie second base for a playoff you know, situation or third base. Not, a, I just, not, not yet, not yet. But that, that is a question that's going to have to be asked. And who's going to lose playing time? Well, one of them's got to be Addison Russell and maybe even Schwarber or, or Happ in the outfield because you could move, you could move Brian out there. That's if Bodie is for real and you think he's a huge contributor into October, which he might be. So you're, you're right. I mean, this is going to get even more clogged when, when he comes back and Russell's going to be, you know, uh, up against it. Uh, as far as the offseason, throw Chatwood out. You're not wrong about that. That's a much more difficult trade. But my point about Russell is, in yeah. the past, we would have thought, okay, you can you, if you trade Russell, you got to get a number three starter. You're right. Oh. That, that is no longer it. So in my mind, though, you could trade Russell and still get okay prospects for him, a couple double-A guys, a triple-A guy. That's not what you wanted a year or two ago, I agree. But in, in order to unclog this thing and, and get Bodie some time, because I think they believe Bodie is for real, at least moving forward, and you can move Baez to short with a stronger arm, Bodie and Sober share second. The difference is you're not getting back what you thought you might if you trade Addison Russell. So I agree with you there, but it doesn't mean you won't do it. and doesn't mean you can't get at least something back, a double-A prospect, a triple-A guy. So those are my thoughts on that. But mm-hmm. it'll be real interesting if Bodie keeps this up, what they do when Bryant returns. And, again, these are all good questions. Who wouldn't want this kind of depth? Every team would. Jesse, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, and I always hate those questions, but if the playoffs were to start tomorrow and you could put anybody out there and set your rotation, where would Hamels fit? One, two, three, or four? Well, let me butt in here. That's our uh, current Twitter poll also. But you don't have Hamels in there, do you? Well, yes yes and no, but the the, uh, question is we'll bring Felix in with you uh, here, Jesse Rogers. Uh, Jesse at the hotel in Pittsburgh, going to walk over to the Heinz 57 plant and get some free mustard and ketchup and pickle-lily, as we used to call it, relish. Here it is. If the Cubs make the postseason, fellas, A, B, or C, Jose Quintana will A, be in the four-man rotation, B, he'll be in the bullpen. C, won't even make the 25-man roster. Let's bring in Felix the Cat. Felix Reyes, what the fans say on our uh, Twitter poll, please? 52% say B in the four-man rotation. Well, hold on. 52% have Quintana because in the playoffs, just to retrace here, four starting pitchers, not five due to the built-in off days. 52% have him in the uh, four-man? Yikes. Yep. Okay. 38% say he'll be in the bullpen. All right. And then 10% say he would not be on the 25-man roster. All right. Let, let the record show I wrote this before Monty went on the DL. But, all right, Fred, back to you and Jesse. Yeah, yeah. Jess, where would Hamels be? I, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cop out a little bit on it. He's going to be one or two. And the only reason I'm copping out is because, obviously, Lester is going to be one or two and him one or two, assuming Lester's back. And the reason it doesn't matter that much is what we've talked about before in October. In a best of a five, let's start with that, the game one or game two pitcher can come back in game five on full rest. It really doesn't matter who you go in game one or two. 
On game one, pitcher gets an extra day rest. Game two, pitcher gets full rest if there's a game five. So I don't know. I really don't. What is it? I mean, it depends who's pitching great at that time. If Hamels keeps this up, he'll be your game one pitcher. If Lester returns to form more than just one game, he'll be your game one pitcher by default. But as long as those two are going game one and game two, either can start game five, and then the other one can come in relief in game five if you want. So I, I think that answers your question, Fred, because, look, each game is as valuable as the next, right? But yeah. obviously you'd rather pitch from a lead one up, you know, because then the other team starts to squeeze the bats and all that stuff. But I won't disagree. If Hamels keeps this up, he might be your game one pitcher. Well, and I think we all knew what Hamels was capable of, but I don't think anybody saw this in no. his first four games. No, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. He's done it in almost three or four different ways. Like, I don't I don't think he used his changeup as much last night because he faced these guys ten, ten days ago and, and, and struck out uh, six guys on his changeup, and it was fantastic. I think he used his cutter more against KC and last night. I have to look at the numbers. But look what he's doing. I mean, he's not hes not 25 years old, so guys are going to get on base. He's going to throw some bad pitches. But look what he does when guys get on. Yeah. I mean, I love starts like that, I think, more than, than when, you, when a guy's mowing him down. Because how often do you mow him down at 35 years old, 34 years old, right? The, the, a start like last night could be a playoff start. Yeah, there's traffic on the bases, but he gets the ground balls when he, when he needs them, makes the right pitch when he needs them, and look what happens, seven scoreless innings. So I kind of like that one even more than uh, some of the other ones he's had, which he had better stuff in. Last night, 16 ground balls, as Jesse's pointing out by Hamill's two fly balls. Here's the four-man rotation in no particular order uh, for the first round if the Cubs make the, uh, you know, get in the playoffs uh, and have uh, don't have to do the wild card, hopefully. Lester, Hamill's Darvish, Hendricks. Yeah, I agree with that. I think and So there's I'm, no I'm Quintana. The- there's no Quintana. Yeah. In the yeah, I'm man. with the 38, 38% that say he's in the bullpen. I do think he makes the roster, but he's in the bullpen. Now, we, we obviously, we're assuming health with Darvish and all that other stuff. And let me tell you something. I think Montgomery, if he's healthy, might be ahead of Quintana. Well, here's I mean, now. So hold, there you go. So hold that thought. Now, if Montgomery is back in normal, health-wise, I don't know that Quintana... There's your long man. See, there's your left-handed long man, if needed, in a blowout game. So... Why would you even have Quintana perhaps on the pitching staff at all? Yeah, okay. If Marshall, again, what if Marshall's fine? I see the scenario. I don't know, politically, if Theo would want to see it, he might overrule just because of his ego and, you know, signing Quintana at all the dough. I see a scenario where Quintana's not even on the 25-man playoff roster. You, you, can, you can make that case. I'll say this. Remember, and we, we're going to start doing this in probably you know three weeks, looking at the, the, the numbers. Yeah. You, uh, you, you can add a, an extra pitcher, too, usually, because you don't need as many on the bench. There's usually at least one guy. Um, so maybe they can keep both. Um, I was more thinking about if Montgomery's in the starting rotation because mm. Darvish isn't healthy or All something. Right. Then Quintana would be in the bullpen. But you're right. If there's... Do you need Montgomery and Quintana in the bullpen oh. along with Well, I'm just saying, yeah. he's probably not. You're probably right about that. Um, though, maybe Quintana can turn into a one-batter one guy, you know, get out whoever, whatever lefty's up there, Freddie Freeman in a playoff game. I don't know. Probably not. Now he's a loogie. Um, he's a left-handed one-out guy now. He's a loogie. And see, my biggest problem in this whole situation is I don't think it's the health. The health of, of Darvish isn't what I'm waiting to see. I'm waiting to see him actually... Can I say grow a pair without getting cut, uh, getting beeped? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for him to have a walk or an error or a balk and not 
you know, go into a little shell. Yeah, I want to see a guy <laughs> suck it up and pitch and get work his way out of things. We didn't I'm with see you, that. I'm with you. Let's not forget he had a 495 ERA when he went down. So I know. You're right. It's not just about being healthy. It's about being productive yeah, as yeah. well. Right. Not wearing a pink stocking cap. All right, Jesse. Uh, uh, here's three phrases I'll never believe again. Uh, uh, starting pitchers, the AL to the, oh, this is because when we got Quintana, I heard all AL to NL is easier. Remember that one? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. He's an innings eater. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. And the third one, you got a lot of years of control. We had not through 2020. Years of control, innings eater, and the AL to the NL for a starting pitcher is easier. Those three I'll never listen to well, again. Hamels, who was getting shelled in the AL. All right. So and now he goes to the NL, and he's got four awesome starts. Yeah, so. maybe, maybe he didn't care where he was. He wanted to get out of Texas, for all we know. Maybe Quintana wanted to get There's out. There's no of... state tax in Texas. Why would he want to get out? Jesse's the best. Follow him. Just follow him around Pittsburgh. Well, just follow me. Cap's going to be following follow him tonight. So Follow Jesse around, and uh, maybe he'll give you some free mustard packets that he's going to get from the museum at Heinz in a few minutes. <laughs> Jesse, you're the best above and beyond, uh, and I owe you a nickel, whatever those. Uh, I don't even have pa- Here's a nickel. No one even carries money. Thanks, Keep Jess. your nickel. <laughs> you want a nickel? Go eat a pickle. You want a penny? See Go kiss Jack Benny. Bye-bye. See you, Jess. He wears me out, but he's good. Yep. He's busy. He's got all the, all afternoon in Pittsburgh to relax and uh, enjoy himself. Everybody's talking about how great Pittsburgh. I've been to Pittsburgh. It ain't that great. All you got to do, you know what? Every town is great if you just know where to go. You got to do your homework and figure out where to go and hit the hit the hot spots. Let's talk a little football next. Sweet Lou Canales is going to join us. Said he'd give us a call at ten thirty. He'll be there on the Fox TV pre post uh, sideline. You name it, lose everywhere. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred at ESPN one thousand. Mike Murphy. Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Halfway home, Murph and Fred. Air show starting pretty soon, I guess. A lot of people coming downtown on the early train this morning. Fred, you excited about the uh, air and water show? Not in the least. Uh, planes <laughs> flying fast. You see them once, you see them. You don't need to see him anymore. When I've I, seen him once. I've seen him more than once. When I was on the 24th floor all those years downtown yeah. here, uh, it, only, it only scared me when uh, the one plane went by and the pilot waved at me. Oh, yeah. It was so close. They do. They come down real low. and it's, yeah. Their practices sometimes are more impressive, I <laughs> think. So, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm just eager to, uh, at noon, get, get away from the downtown area. We'll get to some Bears talk in a few minutes. Sweet Lou. Canales is going to give us a call. So we're in a meeting now, production over for Fox. So we'll have the Bears coming your way in a few minutes. But let's take a quick look at the exciting game. Some friends of ours, uh, Dan and mine, uh, lovely Dana, were at the Sox game last night. And bobblehead today. Want to get your Tim Anderson bobblehead, Fred? Uh, oh, he's sliding in. His, he he, I think he's sliding in and stealing a base or something like that, right? Yeah. He's got like 21 out of 28 stolen bases, just about 75%. If he hit better than 247, he'd be able to get more. He's been, he's been hitting a little better, hasn't he? I had three hits yesterday. A little better. 
Yeah, I, again, you you need to be, if you want to be part of this team, you need to be better than a uh, 247 hitter. Sox win 9-3. to three. They had the, He uh, was 3-for-3 three three yesterday. He had a single, double, triple. Yes, he did. Scored yeah, three runs. All were home runs, too. At RBI, one, uh, the homer short of the cycle. Is that what you, I think it was, yeah. did you say? Yep. And uh, seven runs, seventh inning. Sevens were wild for the White Sox. Most runs they've scored, I believe, in one inning all year. Jose Abreu, he, he stepped up to the plate. Adam to Abreu, who goes after the first pitch and drills it to left field. The Sox take the lead. One pitch to Jose, and good night. And that's a good thing. Um, Highlights WGN Channel 9. One pitch, because one thing that Abreu does a lot of times is uh-huh. take pitches, and if he hits his first pitch uh, on a strike, that's a good thing. Uh, Abreu's exit velocity, 104.7, Yikes. 418 feet, uh-huh. a blast. Uh, Three-run shot, and they needed it. They had fell behind 3 nothing early in that game. The uh, winning pitcher, uh, James Shields, He's, and this is one of those where the wins and losses the record doesn't really indicate. He's had a much better year than a 5-14 and 14 right. record. Seven innings last night, six hits, three earned runs, 101 pitches. Uh, he he gives you what you what you expect usually. He may, still go, yeah, he may still go somewhere yeah. uh, before the season's over. And one indication of uh, why he would go somewhere, the Oakland A's picked up Edwin Jackson a while ago. Jeez. The A's are 8-2 and two in 10 games with Edwin Jackson starting. It's amazing. So you know what you pick up a veteran a veteran pitcher uh, late in the season he can help you get to where you need to be the Oakland A's eleven and a half games they were back after their loss on June twenty fourth right now they're one game behind Houston <laughs> so the White Sox uh, they win the game uh, nine well and nine Nick, to three yeah Nicky Delmonico huge in three that run game. homer also yep. in the seventh inning game's over he led three to nothing after two and a half. To be here on a boomerang for out number 27. Boomerang. No better way to end it than end it yourself. Line drive went right back to Vieira, who made the play, and a comeback win tonight. So you let the ball go, and sure enough, it wins its way right back to you. Highlights, again, good old Channel 9 WGN TV. Well, and then the other thing, too, you look at it, uh, Delmonico, he did have, he had two hits. He had a, an RBI single, an RBI ground out, the three-run homer. His exit velocity was 105.8, 405 feet uh, last night in that one. Seven-run, seventh inning for the White Sox, and there's a uh, needed win. Uh, it's nice to see some of the pitching they've been getting, especially from Carlos Rodon. Rodon's been pitching well. Giolito's been still giving up some runs early, but still, you know, trying to suck it up and figure the things out. So uh, it's 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 nice to see. There was a thing the other day, and they said, well, the White Sox starting rotation of the future, Rodon. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see here. It was Rodon, Kopech, Cease, and Dunning. Maybe that's their four-man rotation uh, when this White Sox becomes a, a good team. So we'll wait and see. You know, Jesse was out on this earlier. He was talking about complete games. Yeah. You know how many? Take a guess how many complete games have been this season. I know we were all guessing baseball? earlier. Yeah. Well, let's see. Thirty teams on the average of two or three under a hundred to fifty. Thirty-two. <laughs> Thirty-two complete yeah. games. Oh, Five pitchers in baseball have thrown two. Okay. Barrios from Minnesota, Carrasco and Kluber, both from Cleveland. 
Paxton from Seattle, and the guy that comes see tomorrow, yeah. Tyon from Pittsburgh. He has two complete games. Well, baseball's totally changed uh, in the sense that now most bullpens have three, four, five guys that can throw 98, 97. And it's not so much, in my opinion, that the starting pitchers can't go, though they're not used to it. I understand they don't. If you don't throw 100 they pitches often, yeah. your arm's not going to be built up to do it. But they figured, and, you know, the third time through, and heaven forbid you face a guy four times, you know, oh, he's going to know what you're throwing. Maybe yes, maybe no, whatever. But the bullpens are so much better and deeper with these, you know, 99-mile-an-hour guys. Uh, so there's some thinking that makes sense behind shorter starts for the starting pitch. Okay, listen, I mentioned that these five guys have two have two complete games each, okay? Uh-huh. They go on out there, so you figure they threw nine innings, right? In those nine innings, they went out and they threw eight warm-up pitches. They threw 72 more pitches. Why don't you just throw half of those pitches, and then maybe you can go longer in the game? Well, they'll say... That- I agree. They'll say that those aren't stressful uh, pitches, which don't. No, 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 I'm agreeing with. I'm telling you what they'll say. Yeah. And how about cutting down the time between? uh, Let's get the game going. Everyone's worried about pace of play. Why do they need eight warm-up pitches every half inning? There's 18 half innings, right? 18 times four, 21. What's that? 72. I got got a little yurko in me right yeah, there. I, I know that. That's what a, 72 fewer uh, warm-up right. tosses. It doesn't take that much time. A couple minutes. No, so. I know when a bullpen guy comes in, he has eight, but I'm pretty sure they throw eight <laughs> between innings too. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just well, it's ridiculous. So they don't want them to throw 100 pitches, but whatever they throw, you know, they, these guys threw nine innings plus 72 more pitches. So I don't know. Just silly. I, I, I like I like baseball the way it was. When a guy's shutting people down, you don't pull him out just because he's got ninety six pitches or ninety two pitches. And Lester wasn't wasn't really keen on coming out the other day. And Joe could have left him in because the first guy up in the inning, Lester was second up in the inning. First guy up in the inning got on. Lester could have bunted him over and stayed in for an extra inning. He's best bunt, bunter on the team. Yes, he is. Yeah. So he would have got the bunt down, and it would have made sense. And they were talking about it. J.D. was mentioning it um, during that broadcast on Thursday. I was And Lester talking to Madden, I think he was trying to not well, argue his case, but funny, at least say, I can go out there. I'm funny he would say that. I was just going to interject that I don't like it when I see the manager, any manager, and Joe is like, you know, number one at doing this, and it seems to work, and the players love him, and they run through the brick wall for Joe. I understand all that. I like Joe. I like Joe a lot. I've seen a lot of guys that aren't Joe at Clark and Addison over the last, over my lifetime that are bad. Point is, though, you got to put your arms around Lester. you got to put your arms around him. Yeah. Okay, young man, good job. Now, here's why I'm taking you out. Talk to him tomorrow in the locker room after the game. You know, just no, they you're do it right then. You're out now. I got a new guy coming in. Yeah. Think about the game, not massaging the gen- gentle psyche of some of these guys. My goodness. Well, and Lester did say that he went in and talked to Joe the other day. He got a little bit of a different thing because, you know, he doesn't always go in and talk to uh, Joe Madden and uh, figure some stuff out. And Joe simplified it for him. And, uh, you know, Joe was a catcher back in the day when, you know, didn't make the the big, but he was a catcher in the minor leagues. Right. So he knows a little bit about pitching. So I love our White Sox Minute. Now, we love all our sponsors, obviously. They're all terrific, and we wouldn't be here without them. Thank you, everybody. But it's fun listening to the uh, White Sox uh, Minute 
uh, from time to time. And here was one that really surprised me. This ran uh, Tuesday, and it's, you know, Jason Benetti, and uh, uh, this is a White Sox minute. He talks about catcher, White Sox catcher, Omar Navarez. Uh, yeah. Did you happen to hear this one, Fred? Uh-huh. Yep. He, he throws a stat out here that I thought I heard it wrong two or three times. Felix, can you play this back for us again? Does he really say what I think he's? I had no idea. This is your White Sox Minute. I'm Jason Benetti. After the Sox lost at Minnesota on June the 5th, Omar Narvaez was batting 170. His slugging percentage was 227, below his on-base percentage. Since then, Omar has slugged 606, and his average has grown all the way to 281. That's 39 of 104 in that span, 13 extra base hits, giving him the top batting average in baseball since June the 7th. Did he just say that? Yes, he did. How come we're not talking about the White Sox catcher with the best batting average yep. in all of batting average sucks, Murph? I think irrelevant. He's got the best batting average in all of baseball, both leagues, since what day did he say? June. June 1st? June 7th or something June like that. June 7th. Yeah, Omar Narvaez, he's hitting 278 right now with 367 on base and a 424 uh, slug. Number one in baseball since early June, and yep. no one talks about him. Putting the bat on the ball and uh, doing not a bad job with the pitchers. So that brings me to a note today. Uh, this, I believe, in his Sun Times. It's funny because their other catcher, Kevin Smith's hitting 283. All right. Well, that's even more ammunition here. Sun Times. Wellington Castillo. Remember him? Yep. Wellington Castillo started a rehab assignment at Class AAA Charlotte. A week before, now he'll be eligible to return to the Sox after his, remember this, 80 days ago? Maybe a lot of people forgot this. 80-game suspension for violating terms of the MLB drug policy. Uh, Wellington Castillo has not played since May 24th. He's eligible to return Thursday, blah, blah. Here, Rick Renteria. Now, I understand the manager's got to say what he's got to say, so I understand that. I'm an idiot. Renteria said he expected Castillo to regain a prominent role behind the plate when he returns. Ah, Castillo signed a two-year deal with the Sox during the offseason. So we just established that the White Sox catchers are lights out. Now, maybe there's something Wellington Castillo's better catch-and-throw guy, better at controlling the base running, better with the young pitchers, I don't know. But you really believe that Renteria says they expect a prominent role behind the plate when he returns? I would hope not. No. Yeah, I would like to see Narvaez still out there, unless they're going to send Kevin Smith back down to the minors. Uh, But yeah, Narvaez has earned his spot. So, it'll be nice to see. I agree. Let's bring in Felix, the cat. Felix, the 1030 Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll question. I'm afraid to read this because Fred might come across the table here and try to grab me. Felix, what's our uh, 1030 Twitter poll in action right now, please? Is that the White Sox control starting pitcher Carlos Roldan through 2021? Let's do that again, Felix. Uh, not He's not a control pitcher. The White Sox control yep. the rights to Carlos uh, Rodan. A starting pitcher through 2021. All right. A or B, Felix? What are the votes? Could be. What can they vote for? So A would be future all-star. B, trade him now for rebuild. Right now in the lead is A, 
Future All-Star at 67%, and then trade him now for rebuild is 33%. I might have thought that uh, Future All-Star would have been higher. Right now, there's nobody in baseball who has a better slider. Uh, his batting average against on the slider is 0.69, better than guys like um, Sale, uh, Kluber, better than those guys. So, oh, he is a future unbelievable. There's no doubt. Yep. But we'll talk about this later. Fred, they, the Sox have him through 2021. Now, remember the Quintana thing? He's controllable. You got the years. That's the big thing. That's what drew so much value back in trades for Quintana. Eloy and C's, and that's what drew four players, including Mancata, back from the Red Sox. We'll kick it around between now and noon. We'll get back on some Cubs and Bears talk. We're going to visit uh, in the 11 o'clock hour. Luke Canella said, yeah, I'll catch up with you guys. So Bears talk baseball. Murph and Fred busy from now until noon. Back in a flash, ESPN 1000. Busy day, Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner with you till noon. Some Bears talk in the next hour. Luke Canellis covering the game for Fox TV tonight, pre and post and sideline. Fred, real quick, uh, I've given the Cubs third base coach a rough ride. Yes, you have been. Quite Butterfield. A bit. Butterfield. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the worst, in my opinion, waving home or holding the guy, you know, controlling the third base coach. He did a good box. job the last two nights. Yeah, he waved home and half. Hi, right, happened to Schwarber. A high five and a pat on a fanny when they rounded third. Uh-huh. Good one. Uh, here's a real quick cut. Though. I wanted to play this because uh, as bad of a, a third base coach uh, that uh, Butterfield is, uh, David Bodie was on uh, this week, uh, early in the week after that Grand Slam exciting uh, uh, Sunday night. Uh, so this was Monday uh, on the Capper Show. And Bodie, he does compliment, and I've heard this a million times, Butterfield, a terrific this is why the Cubs really have infield instructor teaching guys how to play the infield, right. you know. I get work in it every day at all the positions so so that when they say, hey, Bodie, like the other day, hey, can you play first? I'm like, yeah, let's go. Uh, you know, obviously the first ball is going to be hit for you because the ball will always finds you at a new position. So, you know, being able to, to be ready and Butters has been unbelievable. Brian Butterfield um, with that in the infield routine that we do and we've created of, of being out there and getting prepared, you know, taking our spots to really hit it hard on a day where you're not playing and get the blood flowing and getting game-like speed. That was David Bowie, yep. and I've said all along, he must be a great, this guy Butterfield must be a great infield instructor for them to have in there because he certainly can't coach third base. Hour number two history, hour number three next. If you missed our first hour, we'll get back on breaking down that exciting second in a row Cubs one to nothing victory. We'll have that uh, right after a quick timeout. Back in a flash, Murph and Freddie, SPN 1000. One hour to go. Hope you're having a great Saturday. I'm Mike Murphy. He's Fred Hubner. And uh, Fred, we're going to have a little Bears talk uh, bottom of the hour. Yeah, I'm, I'm eager to see what uh, Luke Canellis thinks yeah. about Cody Whitehair and James Daniels and uh, how the, how many guys are going to play tonight and how often they're going to play and how long they're going to play. I was surprised when I saw Tom Brady threw 19 for 26 in his mm-hmm. first uh, in his uh, game the other day for the Patriots. Played the entire half. Well, here, uh, glad you mentioned that. The Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Two of them this, ha- this hour. Number one, 
multiple choice. How many snaps uh, or plays? How many snaps for Roquan Smith tonight? You can vote uh, zero, one through five, six through ten, or eleven plus. How many snaps for number one draft pick? Easy inside linebackers, Roquan Smith. Zero, one to five, six to ten, or eleven plus. And our second Twitter poll this hour. Who this year, all year, 16 games, who starts more? This is you, Fred. Who starts more games at left guard this year? A, Eric Cush. B, number uh, second round draft pick James Daniels. C, well, we thought he was the center, Cody Whitehair. Or D, other. Hmm, no one listed above. Vote now. We'll get to the Bears beat in a little bit. But uh, the Cubs game last night, we covered at... The first hour or two, but if you're just jumping in, uh, you probably know all the interesting little sidebar numbers. The Cubs win one to nothing. That's their second one to nothing uh, victory back to back since 1973. Uh, Cubs had seven double plays in the field yesterday. That uh, is only the third time in baseball history that has occurred. Uh, back to the 69 Houston Astros and before that the 1942 Yankees. Schwarbs uh, with the homer puts the Cubs ahead one to nothing. It was a pop fly, but it was a long enough pop yep. fly. Schwarber in the air to right. It's deep and it is gone. A home run for Kyle Schwarber. Last night, Ian Happ became the second Cub to homer this year in a one to nothing win. Schwarber was the first in April, and maybe he'll do it again tonight. Well, not a <laughs> yeah. massive blast like we see from time to time from Kyle Schwarber, but certainly good enough to get the job done. It's fastball up above the belt, and he just muscles it on out of here. That's a great description, uh, NBC, yeah. Chicago Sports. Muscle that said that J.D., right? Certainly did. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And a, uh, a good Swami Casper there. He says, well, you know what? This could be the third time that the Cubs win one to nothing on a home run. Schwarber, I didn't realize, did it early in the season and happened the day before, right? Okay, yep. Cool. And uh, the victory uh, puts the Cubs four and a half games in front of Milwaukee in second place. And right at their heels... The St. Louis Cardinals, who knocked off the Brewers last night, are in sec- uh, third place, rather five back, just one half behind. Yeah, they're on a roll. Milwaukee. Well. You go back to the old days when Harry Carey was the Cardinals announcer before he did the A's and the White Sox and the Cubs. The Cardinals got hot one year, and he kept singing. They were like third place and yep. second, and the Cardinals are coming, tra-la, tra-la. Yes, he did. He it over and over. I think that was 67. Yeah, he certainly he did. did. And, yeah. you know, you look at what they've done, and it's pretty, been pretty amazing. And I know it's maybe it's changed this week, uh-huh. but I know I was watching the MLB, um, the MLB uh, baseball tonight earlier in the week. Yeah. And Harold Reynolds mentioned that since the manager took over in St. Louis, Ooh. he had played the insane lineup every day. Really? And the Cardinals got red hot. They have. Just saying. They've won 9 out of 10 or maybe even 11 out of 12. Yeah. i got to double check it. But you're just you're not saying. You're just saying. I'm just saying they got red hot <laughs> with the same lineup. 
because there are people that are Cub fans or non-Cub fans or baseball fans that say, you know, sometimes you just put the same lineup out there and they said, well, you can't do that anymore. It's different. You got to do this. Got to get all your guys in. Well, the Cardinals manager, this guy that's taken over on an interim basis, uh-huh. just ran the same lineup out there and just says, <laughs> you guys keep winning. You just keep playing. Well, on that, on that note, maybe a little different, but Ben Zobrist is having the second best year. This is based on, uh, on base OPS, on uh-huh. base plus slugging. So right now, Zobrist is having the second best. He's a 13 year veteran, right? And, uh, his best year was way back, uh, nine, ten years ago, 2009. Uh, and this is his second best year statistically with uh, on base plus slugging. Now, some would say, well, it's just, uh, you know, it's a long season. The back of the baseball card, you throw out the best year, the worst year on your average. Right. But maybe it's also because at his age, and just, you know, counterpoint uh, what you were saying, he doesn't play every day. Would he be having the second best statistical uh, year of his uh, of his career if uh, Joe weren't giving him uh, every second or third day off? You don't know, but right. it's, it's it's great topic. It's a great topic. I had 11 of 13 for the Cardinals. They won 11 of the last 13. Okay. And I'm looking here. Molina's caught every game. Carpenter's played all but one. Mm-hmm. Wong has played all but two. Jericho's played all but two. DeYoung has played all but one. Ozuna's played every game. Bader's played all but one. Martinez uh, got hurt, I think, so he's missed a couple. But other than that, yeah, that's good. That's same good line, stuff. just running the guys out there, and that's what a lot of people have, you know, have talked about. He's got the, his most com- common lineups. It's funny he's only got uh, one, two, three, six different lineups. I haven't gone. I, I'd like, I should go to the Cubs page and see how many different lineups they have. Because well, how many games have they played? That's about how many lineups, probably. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe I mean, I'll go check it out because here they got the most common lineups they've and there's six about, different ones. I think about 110 games they've played, so 110 lineups for Joe. Yeah, but you know what? Different now. They the Cardinal players hated Matheny, the old manager. So. Yeah, it, it was weird because apparently they uh, they thought that he had a. Uh, he had a spy inside the locker room and a player that was letting them know everything and a coach that was talking to the players and then going to the manager behind the player's they back do that. and everything. You know what the word is in baseball? He's the spia. Uh-huh. I think that's Italian for the spy. The okay. spia. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, he's the spia. The Cubs are the guy that used to be a spia on another team. I don't want to say who it is right okay. now because I can't prove it for sure. Uh-huh. But And I don't want to get Jesse. Jesse, just hear what your guy called me, the spia. Well, maybe Murph knows what he's talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, let's go to a quick phone call, uh, talk a little bears uh, later this hour. Uh, John's been holding in Rolling Meadows, uh, Murph and Fred. Hello, Johnson. Hey, guys. How are you? Good, John. What's up? You know, I think, the, you know, being a White Sox fan, I kind of look at the Cubs situation as a whole instead of as certain players. As a whole, everybody knows their bullpen has held this team together this year because the starters have been pretty iffy from time to time. Mike, but Montgomery, there's your team MVP. Steps in, gets three, four, five innings, gives up less than three runs a game, comes out of the bullpen in the third inning, pitches three innings for you. Yeah, you know, C-Shack is probably the right-hand version of Montgomery, although C-Shack doesn't start. Montgomery, if you had to, if you had no other choice, I would look at Montgomery 
as a possible closer for a game or two from the left side. He is that consistent. He can get the job done. So, you know, not having him with the club now, when he comes back, do you think Joe will put him back into that long relief role where he's probably most comfortable? Although he would tell you he would prefer to start. But with the starters you have right now, you could put him in the bullpen and that bullpen would be even stronger than it is right now. Well, you raise a lot of good points. Uh, one being a closer. As I recall, he threw the last pitch in the World yes, Series. Uh, the ground ball to Bryant. Uh, we'll work on that, John. Thanks, John. Thanks a lot for the call. Here was a note today. How did I say he's the most consistent? I mean, there's no. some things he's done and not done this year that have been surprising. But this, this is interesting. This is Gordy today in the Sun. Gordon Wittenmeyer. Yeah. Since replace, this is about, uh, Mike Montgomery. Since replacing the injured Hugh Darvish uh-huh. in the rotation May 28th, Mike <laughs> Montgomery has been the Cubs' best starter statistically with more than four starts. There you go. He went on the DL list yesterday because of inflammation in his shoulder. Starters since May 26th. Mike Montgomery, he's got him with the uh, next to the best whip and the best DRA. And behind him, believe it or not, is Jose Quintana with the uh, second best uh, whip. See, he's not as bad as you think. It's horrible. <laughs> he had a bad game the other day. That was a, worse than bad. <laughs> well, was he a, only threw two bad pitches. I know. I know. <laughs> well, three. The first one to Kane and then the other two. Hey, real quick. This is sort of like, what's up, uh, Fred's can, except uh-huh. it's my can, all okay. right? All right, here's a soundbite. So the Cubs had a home game Wednesday. This yep. is the type of thing that just irritates me. So first inning, beautiful day, day game, beautiful day in Chicago. Sun is out. There's a pop-up to the shortstop, Russell, right? Mm-hmm. And right. he ain't hitting, so he better be out there fielding. There's a pop-up to Russell. Well, he didn't. He forgot his sunglasses, evidently. Well, here's what happens. Miles 1-2 is popped up. Russell in the outfield grass, and he can't find it. It's, the sky is almost completely white. It's a cloud cover, but very, very bright, and that'll be a cheap hit for Moustakis. Yeah, tough break for Russell, tough break for Hendricks. Nice break for Moustakis and the Brewers. Yeah, it's a baseball white sky overhead. It's like being in the Metrodome, only brighter. It's a helpless feeling. Uh, no, you just can't see the baseball. Not helpless. Stop the tape. Highlights there to guys, NBC Chicago Sports. Here's the problem. He didn't have his sunglasses on. No shades. All right. In the old days, they had flip-down. Remember, Fred? Right. They were the best. You know, you'd save up your money and get a pair of flip-down glasses oh, they to wear were the best. while you were playing in the park. You'd yep. wear them all. Even at night, you'd wear them. Oh, oh sure. Cool. But, so, instead of right then calling timeout and going into the dugout and getting your shades. Right. Or, like the old days, the trainer. The trainer would come out. With a box of glasses. Yeah, it looked like a toolbox or a fishing kit, you know. Yep. And they'd come through and they'd pull out their sunglasses, the flip-down ones. Yep. Do they do? Does he do that? I've never seen that. Does Joe Madden say time, run out there, get the kids some sunglasses? Does he say time out, my bad, oh, I hope it's not a two-run home? It turned out to be no harm, no foul. Okay, so I forgot about it for a little while. At least they weren't on the top of his hat. I forgot about it for a little, yeah, correct. <laughs> Until the... Pedro Strope out of weirdos, even when he's pitching. I've never seen a pitcher wear flip-downs, but no. he could have crooked like with the hat. So Ian, Ian Happ wears his glasses on top of his hat all the time. So I forget about it until the sixth inning. Okay. Now there's another pop-up. Uh-oh. 
to Addison Russell. Still sunny. Still sunny. Guess yep. what? He's got the flip downs, the old school flip downs. He looks up, flips them down, makes the catch, and he's got like a big smile. Oh, look what I did. Yeah, I wore glasses. Look what I did. You know, I, I, I love, I try to love announcers. I try to love all announcers. We love all announcers. Something I've realized, I was driving in today and I was listening to a soccer game, okay? Mm-hmm. And on the soccer game, there was a play, and the announcer said, these are national broadcasters right. in, in England, okay? Okay. The, bro- the announcer goes, that was it. This guy's an idiot. And then I hear, what a terrible pass. Well, you heard on the ball to that Addison Russell let, you know, let drop. You heard Len immediately, well, you know, the sky is really white, and it just excuses. And I hate excuses. That's what Harry. That's what made Harry Carey so great. Harry Carey, how do you? How does a guy from Mexico drop a pop up in the sun? Jorge Yoda. Yeah, and he I had mean, sunglasses. And on. he had sunglasses on. <laughs> right. You know what? Will can we ever get back to the part where when a guy makes a stupid play, we can say that was just a stupid play, and he may cost his team because of it? Or do we always say, well, you know? Hopefully he gets it better the next time. It's a rough sky, and most people probably would have let the ball. No, can't we ever get back to that? No. That's all I ask. I would now. Maybe it's they, never going to happen. They, I know. No, no. Well, maybe they did not notice that he didn't have the sunglasses on. I mean, I'm just throwing. I'm not taking. I'm just saying. JD's JD usually is well, pretty good at. Well, don't forget. Keith. Actually, J.D. and Coomer are both very good at calling guys out. Remember Keith Moreland? Uh-huh. He said he left after three years because he wanted to be back with his family and do college at Texas University. Yeah. No, he got he got launched. Yeah. Someone in the front office didn't like what he was saying when things weren't going good. Yeah, when would the White Sox have their best announcers? When did most people listen? Harry Carey and Jimmy Pearsall. When a guy screwed up, they called it. It's the way you're supposed to do it. And, you know, for those people out there that never heard that and are younger... You'll never hear good announcing again. How about this book? Sorry. I, I, I gave you a little a copy of this. The Wrigley Field's Amazing Vendors, uh, the golden years of vending. I've been going to Wrigley Field for so many. I, re- I recognize all these guys. Uh, and this is written by uh, Lloyd uh, Rutsky and uh, Joe Levin. And one of the vendors highlighted in this photos. It's unbelievable. Back from the you know 70s, 80s, 90s, all these photos. Uh, Abe the Vendor, longtime vendor. Sure. You may not recognize his name, but if you've been to a baseball game, you've been to Bulls or Blackhawks or Bears or concerts, uh, maybe Pearl Jam uh, tonight. Uh, everyone knows Abe the Vendor. I want to talk a little about vending in Chicago. Let's bring in right now and say hello. Uh, and I let the record show. Long time, you know, good buddy of mine. Long time, everyone knows. Abe the Vendor. Abe Rapic. Hey, Abe, Murph and Fred, good morning. Hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> How you doing, Abe? Hey, hey. go Cubs, go Cubs. <laughs> Hamels, Hamels for uh, Cy Young. Let me tell you, I okay. knew this guy out in the bleacher bum days, uh-huh. way back when I had the yellow helmet out. He was a young guy running around behind us there, and been vending at Wrigley Field with all the fellas. And the book is terrific. Wrigley Field's amazing vendors, and Abe, you're highlighted in it with so many people. But uh, did you go to Pearl Jam last night? Were you working, or are you going there tonight? Well. If they were there last night, I didn't know about it. I know it's tonight. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. I thought it was a two nighter. <laughs> yeah, so tonight and Monday. Yeah, so I you're worked going at, tonight. I worked at Elvis. 
I worked at Elvis night at Sox Park last night. <laughs> Did you dress up like Elvis? No, no, no. I don't do that stuff anymore. <laughs> but I took some pictures of people. Oh, I bet you did. So what will it be like tonight? Uh, I'm sorry. I know our whole half our station's going to Pearl Jam a couple, three times. I thought it was uh, last night. But uh, you've done concerts. Have you done a Pearl Jam at Wrigley Field before, Abe the Vendor? Oh, yeah. Those are, those are usually the uh, wildest and the uh, busiest for uh, beer sales. It's a real good drinking crowd. It's a lot of fun. The people are real nice. Uh They're all excited. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a great night for everyone. So you've been on the beer patrol for many, many years. Uh, You work here. How does that... Now, when you started, you weren't doing beer back in the early days. You have to, what, seniority or work your way up? Then you can request. How does that work? Because you don't start when you're you're 21 years old with the beer uh, patrol, do you? Right, no. I started in 1974, and uh, I was turning 21 in September that year. So I was only allowed to sell uh, Coke and Taffy Apples and hot dogs. And uh, then when you turn 21, you get us on a seniority list to see if you know what when you can get beer. So you don't get it automatically. What was the work your way up the totem pole? Ah, so. Tell us about selling taffy apples with your first days out at the ballparks and around town. Oh what was God. that like? Was that was that? It was, it was crazy in '74 when I started. I was real nervous. I didn't know anyone, and uh, I think I sold Coke my first uh, game. And the deal with Cokes were they were twenty-five cents Coke, but in order to start selling the twenty-five cent Cokes, you had to run out with a tray of fifteen cent. Frescas, I believe. Oh. And, uh, it was like a you'd seven up. You'd be, you'd be mad by these Boy Scouts with quarters and nickels and pennies and dimes. They'd all grab those 15 cent pops. And then you could switch over to the big 25 cent coats. So they made you take a, a tray, is that what you call it, a rack of uh, yeah. Fresca, which most people never heard of Fresca. Oh, it's awful. It was, it's, it was, like a grapefruit, <laughs> it's like a grapefruit 50-50. Like a gravelly 7-up. Oh. Gravelly yeah, it was, it was right. And I think it was like a six-ounce cup or something for 15 <laughs> cents, and then you got the quarter Cokes for, I think they were like 12 ounces. And they would drip all over you. You know, back then they would just put them in cups. And put a hot plastic cover over them. Right. Um, but, you know, back then times were different. You get mobbed by all these Boy Scouts and, uh, <laughs> you know, they all had the nickels, dimes, and pennies. Totally different than today. Did you, did you deal with frosty malts? Because that was always my favorite yeah, at the ballparks. Yeah, I sold frosty malts also. Yeah. That was a tremendous item. Of course, everyone remembers Irving Newer. He was, uh, like legally blind towards the end. And uh, he was so nice to the fans, and the fans all loved him. No one would try to rip him off. They would, the fans would tell him, you know, what kind of bill they gave him, so he can give him back the correct change. It was, uh, you know, it, he was a uh, he was a legend. Now wait a minute, I remember Irving out in the bleachers, and if you tried to, if Frosty Maltz were a quarter, if you hand him the bill and said it's a five dollar bill, now wait a minute, he'd hand it. I don't take no stinking fives or tens. He couldn't really see. He would only have to be a one. I don't remember that. Oh yeah, but that was there was always but some that was possible. Wise he acre was, uh, guy out there, you know. 
Yeah, he was unbelievable, that man. So, great uh, bender, yeah. great personality. And, you know, yeah, he was a little mean sometimes. But what are you going to do? Now, let me ask you this, Abe, the vendor in the, the new book, Wrigley Fields, Amazing Vendors, The Golden Years of Vending. So back in the day when you first got your beer, you know, you finally worked your way up the totem pole, as you mentioned, to get the, a beer. So as I remember, it was 24 bottles of beer, and he had ice cubes in there. I, that thing had to weigh about 20, 30 pounds over your shoulder back no, in those. I wish, it, I wish it was only 20, 30. Try like 50 with the ice. Because back then, <laughs> Wrigley Field didn't have refrigeration. So they would put 24 bottles, and they'd give you an extra bottle, I believe, an extra bottle. You'd have 25. Now you'd have they'd ice it. You'd have to ice it. It would we we would call it the hernia box. It was so heavy, <laughs> and you either got old style or Schlitz. And old style outsold Schlitz like eight to ten to one. So the younger guys with less seniority, of course, like me, would get Schlitz, and it was a struggle. And we'd be watching, you know, with envy the old style guys just passing out the old style. And uh, the beer would get cold, but the problem was, since it was warm when they iced it, sometimes the bottles would explode in your hand when you took them out. That's terrible. And, you know, yeah, I have a nice little scar on one of my fingers from that happening once. And the ice would melt and your pants were all soaking wet, right? Oh, yeah. it was Your, your shirt would be soaking wet, your pants, and... Uh, it weighed a ton. It weighed a ton. And I'd the, say like close to 50 pounds. Oh, yeah. And the one thing nowadays, so, you know, someone passes down to $10 or the 5 So you guys have a way of interlocking the dollar bills like through your fingers and you got them in order, I guess, the 20s. How do you keep all those dollar bills, 5 10 How do you keep them straight? I can never well, understand. It's not, it, it's not as hard as it sounds. Okay. You just like the 20s you keep at the end and you slip the 10s underneath and okay. the 5s and then the singles. You know, after you do it a few times, everyone has their own little system. You take the extra money, put it in your apron. It's not that difficult. And what happens when you send four beers down and then no money comes back? Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> No, they, the money always comes out. Sometimes it takes a little longer. You know, the people people are real cool. My buddy says the Bleacher Bum days. Everyone got, everyone but, knows Abe the vendor, Abe Rapic, and uh, he's highly represented along with all the other great vendors from so many years. Uh, Wrigley Field's amazing vendors. Uh, it's available everywhere on Amazon, I, right, Abe? I'd like, can I just read a real quick synopsis of the book? Sure, go ahead. Okay, Lloyd Rusky, one of the authors, started vending at age 17 in 1965. In 1971, he decided to take pictures of everybody he worked with at the ballpark after taking a course in photography at Columbia College uh -huh. because he fantasized that workers at the park were like ball players, and these pictures would be for their baseball cards. He took over 2,000 pictures through the 1980s of co-workers. He's now worked over 8,000 baseball games at White Sox Park in Wrigley Field and has just written Wrigley Field's Amazing Vendors, available now from Arcadia Publishers uh -huh. at many Barnes & Noble stores from Amazon and Walmart.com. The cool. book has 166 color picks and it's 96 pages. And he plans on a similar book about White Sox vendors next year and uh 
Cubs Wrigley Field amazing vendors part two also. I'll tell so you, it's just a, it's it's an the, era of a different time, oh, and, sure. and it's amazing. And all the photos of Fred, uh, you'd recognize every one of these guys yep. in a minute, and uh, they're all famous and uh, real Chicago legends. Abe, always yeah. great to talk to my buddy, and uh, I'll tell some stories off the air about you running around out there in the left field bleachers when uh, you were uh, trying to be a bleacher bum, but we said, "Get out of here, kid! You're a little too young right now." I'll be right, back. Right, right. It's back. a time to get in. With you guys, you know? Good job. Thanks. Thanks. I was in awe of you guys from the first game I went to. Hey, have a have a big night tonight at Pearl Jam, okay? Okay, Murphy. Thanks a lot. Go Cubs. And uh, your show's tremendous. Thanks, Abe. Thanks, Abe. We'll see you later. There's our guy. We'll see you guys later. Bye. All right. Abe the vendor. Hey, next guy. I know we got to catch up now because Sweet Lou Canellis checking in next from Boy, Denver. You go from one Chicago tradition to another. One Chicago establishment. And now we go to a Lou Canellis. Yeah, he's been around almost as I long. Bet, I bet you Lou sent a few $10 bills down, get a couple cold beers oh, over, yeah. over time. Back in the flight. It's Murph and Fred. It's ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred Huebner. A little Bears talk coming up. But the final wrap-up on one to nothing, back-to-back. The stretch and a 1-1. Bounce to third. Step on third. Double plays. Cubs win. Cubs win one to nothing. There's no other way this ball game was going to end. I've never seen anything like it. Ties a major league record. Seven double plays in one ball game. Again, the, the, the Giants versus the Astros in 69. I do not know if on that particular occasion they were all on the ground tonight. It was six ground ball double plays, one line out double play. Clearly a frustrating night for the Pirates. And another nail biter W for the Cubs on a night where they had some guys in that pen unavailable. So De La Rosa, Chavez, Kinsler, Ciszek all combined in support of Cole Hamels. It was brilliant yet again. Good wrap up there by uh, Jim Deshays. It's funny. He said they had guys unavailable, but they threw four guys. So, I mean, he had the other four uh, unavailable, I guess. Well, so, yeah, he, well, he, he was off who they had, who was unavailable, but still. Well, he didn't want to use Strope. He'd pitched three, uh, uh, he'd pitched Wednesday and Thursday. He didn't want to use Edwards. He right. had pitched Wednesday, Thursday. But he didn't want to use C-Shack, but, and, and he, he did, to, but yeah. he pitched Wednesday and Thursday. Wilson, according to Jesse, had warmed up so much the night before, even though they didn't use him, that he was unavailable. Yeah. I don't know weird. the last time I've heard that. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, of the eight guys in the bullpen, he had three he didn't want to use, and four counting C-Shack. So Wilson's throwing a complete game in the bullpen. I know. And uh, the uh, seven double plays, as they were saying, has not been done uh, since 1969, the Astros, and the only other time, 1942, the Yankees. But the story was really Hamill's fourth best, fourth great start in a row. Yep. And he's now 3-0, and earned an average around 0.7475. 16 ground balls for Cole Hamill's. He was on the mound for five of the uh, uh, double plays. Let's talk a little Bears. And let's take a look at the uh, Murph and Fred Twitter poll in action right now. Let's bring in Felix the Cat Reyes. Felix, 
uh, the questions on board. Let's see what the fans said. Fred, let's you and I vote. How many snaps uh, or plays, you know, tonight for first-round pick Roquan Smith? They say he may, but they don't know. They haven't committed. Will he see zero plays tonight? One through five plays? Six through ten? Or 11 plus. I'm going zero. Me too. Zero. He's Me not going to play. They're not going to put him in at all. No. Why, why? no. He doesn't know. Let uh, him play a little bit in game. Let him learn to play. Yeah, let, him, let him play. They'll play him uh, next week and that'll be it. But I don't think that's going to be the winning vote. Felix, what the fans say? How many uh, plays tonight for uh, Roquan? All right, guys. This is, <laughs> this is an odd result. So we have 27% saying zero. 26% saying 1 through 5, 26% saying 6 through 10, and 21% saying 11 plus. <laughs> They're all messed. They're so all no, Everybody's place. confused tonight. Yeah. That's, that's my that's my favorite thing that happens. That might be my happiest moment ever of composing. <laughs> A poll. Uh, the, yeah. uh, Murph and Fred Fed Focus Group. Almost equally split. Equally across the board. No snaps. 1 through 5, 5 through 10, and 11 plus. That's amazing. That was great. Yeah. And our other Twitter poll on board right now. During the regular 16-game season, who starts more games at left guard for the Bears? Will it be? Well, he started uh, last week and got pancaked. Eric Cush. B, second-round draft pick James Daniels. Is he a center or is he a left guard? C, Cody Whitehair. Oh, I'm worried about the, the snaps, the shotgun. Or D, none of the above. Hmm. I'm what do going you think, with Cody Fred? Whitehair. Cody Whitehair is going to get more snaps at. I don't want. I mean, more snaps at left guard because I don't. Want, I don't want to see yeah. him. I don't want to see him snapping a ball ever again. I think that's what's going to happen. I'll vote with you, Fred. That left guard this year, more starts of the sixteen games. Cody Whitehair, but something tells me that other, that other someone not on the team right now. Someone they pick up a free agent, a a, a trade of a future number six or something uh-huh. for an established guy. I don't think you have to give up a lot for a veteran that's maybe on his last year but can still do the job but so i'm not going to rule out other well that's what eric cush is though eric he's a veteran that can still do the job he got pancaked that one play i mean they Uh, liked him a lot last year a great point what the fans say felix all right we're at 18 percent saying eric cush 31 percent saying james daniels and then 48 percent saying cody whitehair and then for other murph yeah three percent well, that's why I'm out of step, Charlie. That makes me happy. <laughs> but that's very close there between uh, Daniels and White here. Uh, Eric Cush, not the fan favorite. Well, Daniels took 44 snaps, I guess, in the last game. Uh, he snapped 44 times from the center position. And um, it was funny because early in the week they were all poo-pooing. And, no, 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 it's Cody Whitehair is uh, <laughs> our center. And then as it's going on, well, you know what? These things can't keep happening. And, uh you know, it's funny because Matt Nagy said, well, you're snapping the ball and shotgun 98%, if not 100%, have to be right there. Mitch has enough stuff to worry about. So we'll see. We'll see. Fred, a couple other Bears uh, Q&A here, if you had a moment. Okay, so we've uh, talked to death the uh, new rule with the uh, leading with the helmet, initiating contact. I love the rule. Lowering it, the I, head. It, it, it sucks, and it's going to slow the game down because uh, the refs, the officials are calling it weird, and the players don't quite understand it. Well, not ask, stopping them. Exactly. But let me ask you this. Now, on the conventional quarterback sneak, 
How do you normal? How do you in your mind visualize when I say quarterback sneak? Yeah. How do you visualize the quarterbacks? Usually, you're on the half yard line or the one yard line. We all know what a quarterback sneak is. How do you envision in your mind over many years? Uh, what does a quarterback normally do? Well, there's two things. One of them uh-huh. is they they'll they'll take the snap and just get you know push behind their center um, mm-hmm. with their head down, or they'll get the ball and then leap over the line of scrimmage. And even the quarter, yeah, yeah. Right. Sometimes I know that they'll they'll lean in over the over the line of scrimmage. Yeah, like so. a Walter Payton, but not as not a jackknife. But I know what you're yeah. saying. Now it happened in the game one, the Hall of Fame game, uh-huh. and uh, I believe it wasn't Mitch. It was either, I think it was Chase Daniel. All right, it might have been Tyler Bray or whatever. But we did a the bear. We did a right. quarterback sneak, and he went in. Upright. Yeah. Like with his head up in the air, pushed forward, and scored. Right. But when the chips are down, it's late in the game, how you, as the quarterback, you're not going to be feel like I'm putting my head down and going forward. That would be 15 yards if you were flagged. Well, if not if you're hitting the, the, your own player. No. So, I mean, if you're, if you're hitting another guy and you don't want to do that. Right. Um, so it, it's the whole, the, the rule is going to be very, very tough to uh, referee, and I think we've seen that already. We'll see it again tonight. There'll mm-hmm. be some calls, and the game will be delayed. And if you remember, the first preseason game that we saw, not the Hall of Fame game, last week's game, the first one they showed took like three and a half minutes, and then uh, we the game didn't end until like, yeah. it was like three hours and 15 minutes for a preseason game. That was crazy. Next on the Bears list here, uh, no one talks much about Aaron Lynch for good reason. We haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't him. seen. Well, I haven't seen Allen Robinson either. So now, well, he's starting tonight. They're saying that's what they tell you. Now, left outside linebacker. They signed Aaron Lynch. He's going to be a, a rush edge rush guy, yep. right? Yep. The four linebackers, left to right, were supposed to be Aaron Lynch. Then in the interior, we know Roquan and uh, Trevathan, and then Leonard Floyd right. on the right. But Aaron Lynch was supposed to be someone that was going to be sort of like bookends on the other side with Leonard Floyd to put pressure. So he's not playing. He's been hurt. He, you don't even hear about him. So that moved Acho, Sam Acho. Uh, God bless you, uh, up to the starting, which is, you know, he's a good ball player, but he's not what they expected. What worries me is the quote-unquote rotation behind these guys now. Well, I like two of the guys behind him. I like Isaiah Irving. Okay. Number 47. And number 49 is a guy they drafted later, uh, Kylie Fitz. Right. He's figuring it out. Okay. I think uh, eventually he could, he could be a player. And there's the guy whose name no one can pronounce, but they just call him Joe Iggy Booney or whatever, right? Iggy Booney? Yeah, he, he's right. more of an inside guy. I oh, is he? They, okay. they, they have him listed on the unofficial depth chart as more of an inside guy behind Roquan Smith. Okay. Some have listed him as a right out. Okay, line. Okay, so yeah. he's maybe, you know, all purpose. Right. All right. But that's got to worry everyone a little bit. The rotation, other than the four starters. Okay, next. Depth at cornerback. All right? Uh-huh. All right, so it's Kyle Fuller and uh, Prince uh, Amakamura. We all know that. Then behind them, well, Marcus Cooper, who can't play. I can't imagine he makes the, keep, I, the team out I of. know, but there's no... There's McManus. He's a special teams guy, right? Yep. There's LeBlanc. LeBlanc. You never hear, you know, LeBlanc. There's, they, they're really thin. Yep. They're really thin. This Kevin uh, Tolliver guy they brought in as a free agent. Maybe he'll, you know, maybe he can do something. He's a free agent, I want to say, out of LSU. Right, right. And Bryce Callahan's still there, but he's more of a nickel guy. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Okay. 
And the last thing I wanted. So it's sort of goofier this year because the Bears had the Hall of Fame game, and so they have five exhibition preseason. Right. But it used to be always, you know, you had games one, two, three, four. So game one, uh, not that much with the regular starter. We know that. Not but at then all, game, hardly. Okay, yeah. here's what I can never understand. So game two was when you played everybody the most. Then you tailed back again on game three and game four, hardly anything. I'm trying to figure out if Mitch Trubisky is going to get you know, more time tonight than the, than the last two games. Let's bring in someone that probably knows. Let's go to F- Fox 32. Fox TV is going to be running around pre-post sidelines. Looking handsome in his suit as he always does. Well, naturally. And, and the nicest tie in town. It's Murph here. It's Fred. couple minutes. It's Sweet Luke and Alice. Hey, Lou, thanks for checking in. How you doing, my friend? Hey, guys, I'll be sweating my you-know-what off out here in Denver in a suit on the sideline. I'm glad you it, a little warm, huh? singular my you-know-what, not with the yeah. S on the end, which I appreciate. <laughs> so, Lou, you know, we're kicking around. Uh, so usually it's you play four exhibition preseason games. This year we had the weird, you know, Hall of Fame. So is this really game three or game two? But how come games four and five for us are the last two you know, they don't, you don't play the regular. It seems to me, here's my angle. You can tell me how goofy it is. Seems like if I would play Trubisky some tonight. And then the next to last game coming up, I'd play him a little more. And then the final game, normally the fourth, this year the fifth, that's when I would release them out there, play a little more. But that's not what the NFL does, do they? No, they don't. They don't play their starters in that last game. So yeah. here's the reality of the situation. Tonight, I think Trubisky will play for sure a quarter and probably a couple of series in the second quarter as well. All depends on how well the offense moves the football. In the next game, which is next Saturday afternoon at Soldier Field, first preseason game at home against the Chiefs, Trubisky, my guess, again, I'm not the coach, but my guess is we'll play the entire half and then he'll sit that final preseason game, not this year against the Browns, who they usually typically played in that final preseason game, but this year they'll play the Bills in that final preseason game, and you won't see any of the starters dressed in that game. Why? Because here, and especially with a guy like Nagy, who I've had a chance to chat with a couple of times about this, he thinks prevention of injury is the most important thing through training camp and this exhibition schedule. So he knows he needs to get his guys out there, you may see Allen Robinson for a series tonight. Remember, this guy played three snaps last year and then actually tore his ACL when he played it for Jacksonville. So tonight he'll dress and play for the first time since those first three snaps of the 2017 season. But after that, you know, he just wants to give him a little game, game feel action. He'll do it again next week. He won't play against the uh, Bills in the final preseason game. Lou, do you expect him to put Roquan Smith in uniform and have him run out there for a few plays or not at all? You know, that's a great question, Fred. He'll be in uniform. He'll run. I'm not sure it'll be during the game. A couple of things. Number one, the guy's practiced once in pads since he starred in the national championship. Yeah, national championship game against Alabama. So to just throw him out there in a game situation in the altitude of the Rocky Mountains, I'm not sure is the right move. Having said that, is the right move not playing him until you play him against the Chiefs next Saturday, and then he only has two quarters of work before the opener against Green Bay. Uh, smarter guys make that decision. Those smarter guys are the linebackers coach and Matt Nagy. So personally, 
I think he's out there for a series or two tonight. They pull him off the football field like they're going to do with Allen Robinson, and then he'll play two quarters next week against the Chiefs. Thanks, sweet. Look, look, my floor director here, well, we don't have a floor director, it's radio, is waving frantically. Uh, great job with uh, 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 George McCaskey last week. Real quick, what's pre-post? Uh, anything we can watch for you and the uh, telecast tonight on Fox? Great stuff. Coverage starts at 7 on Fox. I go one-on-one with Jordan Howard. One-on-one with Leonard Floyd and GM Ryan Pace live with me in the pregame show. We're going to talk about the Roquan Smith negotiations. Hey, great. Hey, Lou, we'll catch up when there's more time. Thanks for the effort. Thanks for checking in. Fans love hearing you. We'll be watching you tonight on Fox. Thanks, my friend. See you, Lou. Up against Thanks, the club. My floor director's going crazy. Back in a flash, Murphy, Freddie, ESPN 1000. Up. It's Tyler Chatwood tonight. I don't know if it'll be a one nothing game tonight. I don't think it'll be three in a row. I think we can bet safely against three in a row, one to nothing. I think so. Want to thank all our guests, Jesse Rogers, checking in from Pittsburgh. Sweet Luke Canellis, you just heard, previewing tonight's game, uh, Bears game, uh, Fox TV. And uh, my longtime buddy, Abe the Vendor Rapica. Thanks, Abe, for checking in. And Felix Reyes, all of his help is always jumping around, doing as much as he can. I'll be back tomorrow with Black and Abdallah. Who knows? We'll be talking Bears. We'll be recapping what exactly they did tonight and then complaining that they didn't do enough. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody. They didn't do enough.